Welcome to episode 39 of Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I'm joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We're using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week we're going to be looking at December 1986 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 20 of Zap 64 along with what was going also sorry along with what also was going on oh, good lord right along with what was also going on in UK music that month usually i do this so well so well but not this week this week this hopefully is not what's going to go on for the rest of the podcast that's the first time in 39 episodes i know it's like nothing's ever gone wrong before <laughs> graham after that nonsense, tell us what fun-filled dream factory we have in store. In this deep two-layer family cheesecracker selection box of an episode, we explore the creative possibilities of the Balderdash construction kit, polish our headbones and hunt for treasure in Montezuma's Revenge, mini-sick like a heaving cat with the regrettable Robobolt, and get isometrically impinged with the monotonous Marble Madness. We also ride the bright green hills and take to the skies in the silent but deadly glider pilot, sniff at the beachhead-inspired beachheader-like beachhead impersonator, that is Soldier 1, and take a roll around the metallic but monocoloured techno-steel world of Bobby Bearing. If you've eaten all the Hovis crackers but are still needing more dry biscuits, we also grab our judo pants, flex our grips, and throw each other around like meat balloons in Ujimata. Grab some darts, stand at the 8-bit hockey, and test our diagonal throwing skills in 180, and then head to the 8-bit pub to meet Blocky McGee for a series of eyeball-befouling nonsense in pub games. We also break out our GT bikes, get our pedals ready, and go racing in BMX Simulator, cry foul at the weird, ear-destroying Aldi Tron world of Captain Kelly before dressing in our finest loincloths, grabbing some rocks and heading into the amazing world of the sacred armour of Antiriad. We have packed so many games in this episode, AD. It's like a dark matter fruitcake. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Right. So our first game, just as a note as well, I'm just going to say that I've sort of noticed that I kind of give the game away a lot when we're talking about games and go, ah, oh, this next one's terrible. And ah, the next one is purest of the dog egg. So I'm going to try and avoid doing that. And so I keep our readers on a bit more of a tenter hooks as to whether we like a game or not. One, they're not readers, but that's okay. <laughs> Secondly, Listeners. Uh, they, I think they, they would guess by the, just the tone. <laughs> they're just going to guess by the... There's no point trying to hide the disdain. I'm not. What I might try and do sort of thing is like introduce the uh, next game in the style of the uh, football uh, guy who reads out the scores. <laughs> <laughs> and coming up is Parallax. <laughs> and coming up... <laughs> and coming up is Robo Ball. Just do it in uh, Red Fuss's style. And next on ITV. <laughs> it's uh, Parayax. <laughs> Parayax featuring Jan Mielia. Jan Mielia. Good old Jan Miel. Yes. So I'm going to try and avoid doing that anymore. Anyway, let's go. Okay. So what's our first game? Our first game is not even a game. Balderdash. Balderdash got a construction kit. It did. It did. Rockford returned well, we've been finally. we for it for the last however many years. Uh, since Balderdash 2, I think we've been saying it's Probably should do with the construction kit for this. So yeah, well done. I think well we, done. Uh, 
<laughs> they listened. Yeah, well they done. listened to us in the future, and we went to the past and told them, and we made that we happen. In the past. We made it happen. Yeah, we we did. So uh, yeah, we've got a construction kit for Boulder Dash, which is well, exactly. To be fair, it's all you'd actually want from a Boulder Dash construction kit, really, isn't it? Yeah, I have to say. Yes, yeah, so you can construct um, boulders and dash amongst them. <laughs> Yeah, you put diamonds in and you can put butterflies. fireflies and Are butterflies. Fireflies and or butterflies? Fireflies, actually. It's both. Yeah. Oh, They're right. both. Okay. Fireflies and butterflies. Oh. There's fireflies, there's butterflies, there's the uh, the, the slime. You can mm. put magic walls in, expanding walls. Everything you'd expect from Boulder Dash is yours to command in a 40 by 40 grid or 40 by whatever size it is. Grid, size of the screen because it's character based, isn't it? Something like that. And so you can design them. So you can design them... Full levels into mission stages, save them out, play them as external stuff. So there's a game mode there, you know, and this deservedly, I think, got a gold medal because I think as a construction kit, it's quite incredible mm, because, I agree. you know, it gives you everything you would need to make a, a Boulder Dash game. And, you know, it's, I think it's really good because, and, and I would imagine this is one of those early examples where a lot of people may have got their game design in chops in this. Yes. Started on, yeah. you know, a bit of level design, bit of construction, getting that getting that feel for that how to make a good game and so um yeah i, I was i was impressed with this i thought this was quite quite mm. clever you know change you can changing the color everything's really intuitive just just a good good construction kit um yeah i didn't i tried to make something but then you know it's boulder dash in it and too many boulder dashes have come and gone <laughs> and i tried to make something original and i just ended up making boulder dash something i'd seen before and yeah but if you want to make some boulder dash levels this is for yeah, you yeah i think i actually I mean, I had a bit of a go like you, and, and um, yes, you can construct Boulder Dash levels. I tell you what, though, this didn't this set the benchmark for how to do this kind of construction kit, because I was thinking when I was playing it and constructing my Boulder Dash level, um, how similar the Mario um, builder, the, uh, what's it called, the Mario level oh, designer. Super Mario Maker. Yeah, so it reminded me a little bit, not it, just in similar ways. I know that uses the touchscreen and all, it's all the modern, you know, gizmos and that, but... At the same time, the idea of just having the palette of things to choose from, being able to click on those and just paint, almost paint with those, and then, you know, quickly test and do all of that. You know, fast, iterative, level design. There's a lot to be learned from this construction kit in the way, not just in the way you construct, it constructs, sorry, but also in the way that you construct with it. Um, Certainly, I don't think, and I was thinking, I think it might have been the very first game construction thing I ever used, because I can't think of, of anything else that came along where I was making games as such i know it's game levels but i don't remember any i think i'm not sure if i had i don't i didn't have a go on racing destruction set i might have had a go at that someone's house because it was disc based same with the pinball one i think i might have had a play around on the quill um the adventure one did that come before this or after or has it come out i think this i think this was out maybe it was before maybe after i'm trying in the lineage of what i played with but i think i definitely did have a go though on golf construction kit right I never so, went on any of those. No, well, it's just making golf courses is what it was, but it was but it was a bit unintuitive compared to this. And I think that's a good call, actually, with Super Mario Maker. This does share, you know, that kind of that design of, yeah, mm. there you go, here's your palette of stuff, put it on. I also quite like the um, ability to just randomly paint five of any object onto the mm. level. And so you could quickly just make a random bit yeah. of nonsense. Yeah. And that was quite, you know, and just play it quickly. And, and the, also the granular level yeah. that this gave you as well, how many diamonds you needed, how much time mm. you were going to give, how many points were there, how many bonus points. Yeah. There was a lot of thought in this, and I thought this mm. was very good. Very, very good. So well done. Well yes. done on the uh, Boulder Dash construction kit. Well done. Excellent. Excellent, yes. Mm-hmm. It was, yes. Very good. We enjoyed that. Uh, so let's move on to our first, uh, uh, first I won't say proper game, but our first game review, should we say. And that game is Montezuma's Revenge, uh, Haunted by the Headbone. 
Graham, tell us about Montezuma's Revenge. I quite like this, actually, just to put a spoiler at the start. Oh, okay. So... You have to in this game. You have to guide Panama Joe. That's the character that you play through a maze of sort of chambers uh, to reach Montezuma's treasure. So it's kind of a, a, a flip. Is it flip screen? Or we call it flick screen. I don't know. It is flick flick flick, flick, flick screen. screen. Yeah, yeah. Flick. So yeah, flick, 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 flick screen. So it's a flick screen adventure game where you basically have to navigate the maze, avoid the creatures that patrol it, collect the tools and things and the loot, and work your way around and do that. And the main goal being to get to Montezuma's treasure. So. In of itself, it's a, quite a simple premise for a game. Now, I actually always quite like Montezuma's Revenge. I hated the crapvert, I have to say, because of its stupid headbone logic. But <laughs> I actually always quite liked Escape. And it wasn't something I'd ever thought about until I was presented with it. Because then, then when I saw it, when I loaded it up, I was like, oh, so that's Montezuma's Revenge. Because I got this and Rick Dangerous mixed up for some reason in my mind. And also Gordian's Tomb, I think, as well. I can certainly see that. I'd conflated all these sort of maze treasure games into kind of this. So anyway, so Montezuma's Revenge. It's a neat little game. Nice design on the sprites. Uh, well, they're decent enough. And the pace is fast, which is key to these kind of games. It cannot be slow and ploddy. It's got to be fairly nippy. Sound effects are kind of what we'd expect for something like this. So, you no know, logical sound effects, I'm starting to call these. So sound effects where you would expect them to be for things you would expect. And it, I'll tell you what, there's charm to this game, but it's tough. You know, it's, it's a really quite hard game, with, as are all of these games, I think. I don't know if it's me approaching these games as a lot older now, finding them super tough because my hand-to-eye coordination is not what it should be. Don't be on the road when I'm driving, by the way. Or whether it's because <laughs> not, um, never. I never gave them a lot of time back then, and I've been trying to give some of these games a little bit more legs while I've been trying to play them now. So I quite like this. It had a nice charm to it. The enemy logic was difficult, but it didn't feel impossible, which is a very key thing for this kind of thing so they weren't constantly spawning all the time because that would have ruined this game completely if you, if you were just bombarded so it didn't do that so in all in all it felt like a nice little treasure hunting platformer slash sort of flip screener and i think it got the blend right for something like this between the graphics the headbone graphics and all the little creatures the snakes and the things that you navigate your way around the idea of being the character that you are and the size and the sort of navigation it wasn't you know because we've come across games of this type where the sprites were too wide or the sprites were too big, or they tried to go for too much complexity, or they just filled the screen with enemies. This game didn't do any of those things. It kind of lets you play and let you find your way around in a similar way that you described for Dan Dare, and the, the game just gives you a bit of breathing space, and because it does that, the blend is right, and I actually really, really enjoyed replaying Montezuma's Revenge. I think the score's about right, because it's not perfect in any way. It's certainly not gold medal or sizzler at the top end. But I think if you were into these kind of maze games, and it's certainly better than the, the next nearest equivalent that we've played, which I think would be Legend of Sinbad, that first bloody awful level on that. So I actually quite enjoyed Montezuma's Revenge. It was nice to revisit it and finally realise that's the bloody game that it was because it had been haunting me because I'd been merging about seven games into one. So it was a nice surprise when it was actually the one um, that it was as opposed to what I had uh, replaying in my mind. So yeah, I enjoyed it. That was good. How about you? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm not quite... I don't think I ever played this back in the day. I mean, if I did, I think I kind of remembered it, but I wasn't sure. Cause strangely, I was kind of conflating this with uh, Solomon's Key. Solomon, do you remember that? See, I probably merged that into my memory get memory game, which was Montezuma's Solomon's Key. Yeah, I think that's a single-screen puzzler, but in my head I had this was something similar. So I, I, I've noted that it's, you know, it's, it's an old-school 2D platformer, but it's old-school 2D platformer visuals 
kind of reminded me a bit of Bounty Bob. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong the sprite, with that. Sprite design stuff. No, 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 I didn't say it, but it'd been mapped to a sort of larger puzzle-based room design, which was quite good. You obviously play as Panama Joe, and you have to find treasures in the mines with your five lives, and you could do general platform control, move, jump, you can slide down poles, pick up keys and swords to help you progress. Uh, it was a bit annoying that any fall more than a couple of feet meant death. Yeah, um, yeah, and I found the controls. I found the controls just a bit finicky. I don't know whether I just found myself running off platforms a little too often. I'm not sure, quite sure why. I was pressing the jump, and I don't know whether so you've it was said that about on. every game of this type we've played that you found yourself doing that. I think you've just got runny, runny offius, which is a the Latin name for running off platforms. <laughs> Don't get in a train. But I, I did. Tr- I tried it with both keys and the joypad, and I kept getting the same thing. So I don't know. It's just my old old man reflexes. Get a joystick. Um, he lives down. He, yeah, I did try with it. Old man reflexes. He lives down the road. <laughs> hey, reflexes! <laughs> always... Come play this game. You'd be great at it. <laughs> he was as well. Strangely <laughs> enough, he showed me up. So I, I th- I, you know, the levels are quite well designed, and they lead you through them. And there's different coloured doors, which require different coloured keys, and all that kind of thing. And there's satisfaction to be had in navigating in these levels but i think the thing that put me off it a little bit and i I feel a bit churlish about this but i just felt it felt a bit low rent by this point it's sort of 1984 style visuals and sound and it just felt a bit cheap and i thought for 9.95 maybe this was a bit bit much if there's a budget game i'd be all over it. i think this would be a great budget Mm, game yeah maybe this maybe that's why it scored a bit lower than normal yeah i think it has budget sort of budget level presentation and budget level feel to it but i think for a tenor yeah, there may be a lot of game there. There may be something, but I just think that kind of lack of flourish at this point, the end of 1986, kind of just put me off a little bit. From the, some of the games we had been playing, and I, you know, I wanted a, a, I think a little bit more from the machine at this point. Which is, but I think I would have been more forgiving at a two quid price point. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think actually you may be right. I think also I actually think that one of the reasons, you're, well, my 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 view, one of the reasons you might be feeling that way is because generally speaking, the, the budget games have done these sort of things better than the full price games and so the yeah. benchmarks kind of in reverse and so for the budget games of this type they're actually, they've actually kind of worked out a bit more value and therefore more fun to play and i think so this one does feel perhaps a t- actually the price tag does make it a tad expensive for what it is i agree with you yeah that's what that's yeah, that's what that was my that's what i thought about it and I, I didn't think it was a bad game i just thought that there was something in it that wasn't quite right i don't know there was just something that just kind of didn't hook me enough that to make me really want to go exploring for you know the treasures and everything, and I, and I found it just a bit. Some of the room designs I thought were just a bit, just a bit odd, and I don't know. If it just, just I don't know. It was okay, eighty-three percent. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with it. I just think it's maybe just I'm just a bit platformed out, maybe by yeah. this point of these kind of things. And there are other there are other better versions of this dotted about that we may have looked at. Yeah, maybe, I mean, I it, it could for me it could have lost the you know if you fall too far you die because that always feels like a cheat a, a cheating sort of a low blow mechanic in any game where if it's a even if you die if you fall even a short distance because that it's not that shouldn't be yeah fair enough if you fall from the top of the screen and you hit the bottom okay but if you're just dropping off what look like steps in the game there's one level in there where this that it sort of encourages you to take steps and when you drop down them you die and you're like well hang on a minute yeah <laughs> and, and it's also having to get like pi- pixel perfect jumps to land on the edge of a platform with two flames either side yes. of it and <laughs> if you don't and things like that and there's also there's a there was one bit right near the beginning where there's like the um, moving platforms that sort of, you know, the escalator, the, escalate, the, the travelator type, you know, platforms. And they're going in opposite directions. And as you, if you, you jump up one, it's instantly going the other way and it drops you off and you don't, it suddenly doesn't give you time to sort of jump again. And then there's a smaller mm. drop behind, just a slightly much bigger and you're dead. I, I died on that so many times just because it just wasn't responding to me pressing jump mm-hmm. so i don't know i found it a bit frustrating but it was all right i'm not gonna you know it was okay 
I think you liked it more than I did, but that's okay. No, I I'm, I'm okay it. with that. I've come to, I've come to terms it. with that in the short space of time we've had talking about it. I've, I've got over that and I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> You've reached an inner peace with it, have you? <laughs> Absolutely. I've, uh, I've opened my heart about it. Good. Well, store all that inner peace because you're going to need it. Oh, good. No, no, I said I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. Um, it was so a that's Monty Doom's Revenge. So, so let's, let's move to our next game, which is Robo Ball. <laughs> yeah, Robo Ball. Oh, Jesus. He's got 3%. Three. <laughs> three. One, two, three. It's the magic do, number. Do, do. <laughs> Baby, it's one, two, three. <laughs> Awful. 3%. Now, right. Let's, let's, so let's answer this big question here, which is at 3%, is this worse than Jet Fighter Patrol or whatever that thing was called? With the that character got, that graphics. That got 4%, didn't it? That got 4%, yes. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, that is 1% better. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think this was better than that, personally. At least this was an attempt at something as bad as it was. But Jet Fighter Patrol was a bit of a joke and, you know, maybe just want a jet game. But hey, oh. Because at least there's, there's some in here. There's not a lot. Uh, so, so what is. Robo Bolt, you have to tidy a corridor or something. You have to find these white spaces and take them to the cleaning dump. So the screen scrolls both to the left and the right, and these viruses or something float around, irrespective of the movement of the screen. <laughs> error. <laughs> Major error. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't take any notice of the which way it's scrolling. They just move. We're moving. You're scrolling. They're moving. And they move through walls and it, I don't know. And so it, you can shoot out a bullet in eight directions, but you can only have one at a time. And Sounds painful. I don't know. This, it's got... <laughs> I've, I've done it myself. <laughs> it is. Generally, I tend to do it in all directions, though. But, you know, that's when we need it's cleanup time. We said this last time. <laughs> there are woeful bass relief graphics. And this is a nonsense that should never have been released. Uh, because there is very little of worth here. Uh, it's all awful garbage, and I just ended with the word robo bollocks. <laughs> very good, yeah. Yes, I, that I, was it. I didn't um, write that, so, so I wish I had of. <laughs> it just seemed it seemed fitting. This is nonsense. I mean, it's bad. It's a four percent, five percent game because it's the general thing of just moving around. The, the oh, it's just crap. Yeah, awful yep. on every level. Tell me, Graham, did you enjoy it? I thought this was really, really, really crazy that someone even released this, to be fair. Yeah. Is it Alpha Omega again? <laughs> Just the whole idea of being in the space corridor, which was random. You've got to collect yep. the death pods. <laughs> and they've oh, got to collect them in yeah. the right order, of which you have no idea what that order will be. And they, no, appear, they kind of appear all over. White, the aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to do this before the timer runs out. A timer, by the way, which is so fast that you've got no chance. That's ne that's never going to happen. No. And in the in the meantime, you've got to avoid the enemy ships. In all fairness, the scrolling of the screen does help with that by pushing them away from you so you can't actually get them or shoot them. <laughs> the sprites yeah. and the graphics were of a base relief, nightmarish design and implementation. I, I laughed out loud at the scrolling on it that made the ships disappear from my view and the bullet that just fired less than two, three centimetres from my spaceship. <laughs> and then at one point it seemed to just hang around bouncing. I, I, I don't quite know what it was doing. It was it was like no, a little black no ball that was just, I was firing sort of black ping pong balls. That It was really weird. So the time was too fast. By the time I'd realised what I was trying to do, I was dead. Uh, just the, clearly this was unfinished or pushed into a I don't know how it got published in quite quite honestly I don't know how or why it's just it's terrible 199 this is just a, it's not something that should have been released ever this is one of those special games this is beyond sunday best <laughs> this is just you know what well, just don't 
don't ever, you know, I, and I suspect this, I can't imagine this was, if this goes in the chart, I'll, I'll laugh out loud. If this if this ends up in a chart. Oh, it can't do, surely. Well, no. I, I don't know. I can't imagine it would, but it's just absolute nonsense. And I mean, Zap absolutely marmalized it in their review. I mean, they didn't pull their punches. And for I don't know why they bothered scoring it. In fact, I have to say, perhaps they shouldn't have just reviewed it and just said, you know what, we're not, you know, because just this sent, is, you know, sent it back, not known at this address. Well, <laughs> <laughs> how how low I mean how low are you going to score again that you're going to give actual page time for because there's games that they could have talked a little bit more about in that space so I think I actually think it just took column it took up a column or a half a page or whatever the stupid review was in Zap for no reason whatsoever because yeah. it was just really an excuse for them to get the baseball bats out and go full end of casino on this game so <laughs> I thought it was just rubbish and I will never play it again so that was my take on it it's just it was three percent and that was. So it's it's ninety seven percent shit, and it really is. So never do it. In fact, I think it's possibly one of the worst games on the C sixty four. One of the worst games, and that's a very elite list. <laughs> a very elite, yeah. I mean, this it was crap, wasn't it? Yeah, As I said, terrible, Robo bollocks. Terrible, yeah. Absolute and utter Robo bollocks. Go away, Robo yeah. bollocks. Get lost. Go away. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. So that's that. That's Robo Bolt. It was two pound, and it was two pound too much, and it got three percent. Three. Anyway, right, let's move on. Because next up, we have uh, a classic arcade conversion. Another one hits our screen. And that game is Marble Madness. So, Graham, elucidate us on Marble Madness. The arcade Marble Madness finally reaches the Commodore 64. Um, this was an EA game, wasn't it? Electronic Arts published this. It came up with their fancy, fancy pants logo at the start. So they it went decided... on for ages. <laughs> it did. It really did. Um, so um, <laughs> it's coming. Honestly, the game's coming. So this is an old Atari license and the Marble Madness game, just to give it a description, isometric view of a downward sloping sort of landscape created with kind of little tiny squares. So almost a bit like a angular graph paper really where someone's made a map there and you've got to guide the marble down the chutes and the navigate it precariously down this through the maze and to get to the exit and then you get to the next level and so on and so on and so on and so on and as you progress you get all the marbles in the way and there's things to, things that get in your way and it's all inertia and difficult to control because the original arcade had a trackball so you would roll this thing to speed up and roll it around and that's how you kind of control the game mm-hmm. we don't have that here Mm-hmm. Of course, we have the joystick, uh, which presents a little bit of a problem. So the actual game itself, that's the game in the nutshell. And this is the C64 version, actually entering to this sort of zone actually a bit late because there's already isometric 3D games where you have to navigate this kind of thing that are already doing this stuff and perhaps, well, are doing it better than this. So the look of it is actually, okay, on the surface level, it looks like Marble Madness. It kind of looks like it. So you get the same, it's a bit scaled down, but you get the same kind of colour scheme, same kind of isometric view. And then it all starts to go a bit wrong. So firstly, it's all a bit of a an old anomaly. So this game has kind of resurfaced. It's got really weird blippy bloppy music in it that just makes... I don't know why it's even there, really. You've got to navigate this game around with the joystick, so you're navigating a marble. That's not easy to do on this game, I can tell you that. So the controls are kind of poor and they don't really work, and the sort of inertia of the marble and the way it controls is just odd. But the main issue for me with this, aside from all of those things, was the scrolling. Because the scrolling was insane. Because it only scrolled when you got to the bottom of the screen. So it kind of, as you sort of approach the bottom of the screen, it then sort of the, bo- the whole screen kind of scrolled up. But by that point, you needed to be further, <laughs> you sort of had to wait. So it just, it was really mm-hmm. stupid. And there's some, as you progress through it, there's some levels where you can't wait. 
And so you end up dropping off yeah. the side of the maze and you end up dead. So the layout and the way it's controlled aside, because the scrolling sort of happens, I think about, I would say sort of three quarters of the way down the screen, maybe even more than that. Then it sort of scrolls up again. And because of that, and that's sort of logic, it's just stupidly frustrating, which means that you're never going to really enjoy the experience. To really get the most out of something like Marble Madness, you have to be really into that kind of isometric game. But these games that already do this way better, so Spin Dizzy does it way better, so, uh-huh. let alone any of the other ones. that I think there was neither. What was the other Marble Madness type clone that we played that was just a, a gyroscope or whatever it was? Gyroscope, yeah. yeah. So uh, they weren't perfect by any means. So Spin Dizzy was actually pretty damn perfect in it, as far as this sort of logic goes. This is just mm-hmm. terrible because <laughs> of that stupid... Sc- I don't know what possesses somebody to not scroll the whole screen on a game that requires <laughs> it. Uh, so I thought it was frustrating. I thought it was a misfire. It got 40% in Zap. It's a full price game as well. And I just think you would never have this unless you really, really like Marble Madness. You would never buy it because you, you, by this point, you'd have already played Spin Dizzy and they thought, why, why would I bother with that? So, and I, I have to say, underneath it all, I wasn't a huge fan of Marble Madness in the arcades either anyway. So for me, it was just, now, I like old fashioned marbles, you know, get your marbles, roll them down the gutter at school and, you know, click, that's mine now. Yeah. And that kind of, that whole deal of, you know, marble ownership, getting the the bigger ones, what were they called? I can't remember now, but then, you know, and, and, and that whole, that was my idea of marbles. The China ones. The China yeah, yeah, there was all these variations, weren't there? And ju- there was Jubilees, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some people called. I don't know. Do you know what? That's a whole different game. What did you think of Marble Madness on the Commodore 64? Well, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same ballpark as you. Let's let's not beat around the bush here. So this is the official conversion of the arcade game because, we've, like you said, we've had gyroscope. And and I've just noted, well, it's a, it's a little on the slow side. <laughs> <laughs> so just to test this, what I, I did actually check. So just to say the music, by the way, is the same music as the arcade. Yeah, blippy bloppy. Um, so... Yeah, it's weird sort of thing, but I did go on it. So what I thought was, I thought I'll have a, go have a look at the arcade version because um, I wanted to check if the scrolling was a thing of the 64 version. And obviously it's too slow on the 64 version and does render it almost unplayable at times. It's just, just ridiculous. But it is it is similar to the arcade version. You do get quite close to the bottom before it starts going. The difference being is that it scrolls a lot faster. Yes. And when it does kick going, it gets going. So you never have an issue where the marble drops off the bottom of the screen mm. like I did on a couple of yeah, occasions, which is a kind of um, strange thing to, uh, you know, trying to be weirding out, trying to navigate a word. So that's never good. And, you know, like we said about gyroscope or like I said about gyroscope, trying to replicate a trackball to an eight way digital input, it just robs the game of the kinetic energy. You know, yep. the whole thing of the arcade is smacking that trackball around and getting the pace and the feel of it and speeding up. And this has none of that. Nope. It's slow, it's ploddy. And like we said about Dragon's Lair the other week, a few weeks back, it's just probably an example of a game that shouldn't shouldn't really bother doing. You know, yeah. there are certain games, you know, arcade games like Ghost and Goblins, like Green Beret, which respond, you know, respond to digital inputs, buttons and jumping and that sort of thing. Great, do it. This kind of thing, where you're replicating a big old trackball, mm, maybe not. I imagine I can't remember what the you know thing of whether we get to Super Sprint. And I don't know if there's a is there a C64 version of Super Sprint. The name rings a bell. It's the top down car you know car racing one where you have the three the three the three steering wheels. Pretty sure. So we've we've got one actually in this well, coming up later, but um, mm. but it's those kind of games where the the thrill of the arcade was the input. Yeah. Um, you know, and the the thing that was it, you know, that thing. And yeah. so sort of trying to boil that down, not only trying to boil down the visuals and the sound and everything, and to be fair, they managed to fit in all the all the elements of the arcade game are here. It's just slow, ploddy, and dull. And you realize <laughs> dwarfs you nobody said, wants. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got more dwarves that nobody wants. <laughs> slow, bloody, and dull. <laughs> 
That's why it was the seven dwarfs. There was ten original, but them three were <laughs> yeah. just left out. Get out, bloody ploddy. Go oh. on, sod off. <laughs> Not coming in. Snow White don't like you. <laughs> the French Rice Krispie crew. <laughs> no, there's Slug a rap, bloody and but dull. there's a gangster rap outfit I want to wear. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but that's it. And this is a problem with this game is that it's it's dull, it's boring. Yep. And Marble Madness, you know, was a, an experience in the arcade because it was unlike anything else. It didn't look like anything else, it didn't well, sound like anything else, it didn't control like anything else. Well, the key word for the arcade uh, was madness, of which this game yeah. isn't. This is too sedate. This is the yeah, Shackleton's high-seat chair version. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's very comfy to get in and out of. <laughs> and I was very, and I, and I wasn't too happy when my niece bought me one, um, <laughs> bought me a copy of this. But she said I'd really like it. <laughs> but it, it loaded nicely, and I turned it off nicely, so it was easy to load and unload. I got this marble madness from Shackleton's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they have a hundred different versions of to it to choose from <laughs> all of them dull <laughs> Shackleton's high seat marble madness yeah just it's just mad- it's madness dull. without the madness and almost really without, without the marble yeah absolutely yeah yeah marble dullness yes I agree. Um, there we go so that's marble dullness for you as it should have been called we don't like i only got 40 percent in the magazine so it's not like we're off on a tangent here no they said the same they said the same thing yeah. and they were they were right they were right about that seat <laughs> they were right about that saddle they were right they were right about that they we're right all right so let's move on to our next game glider rider <laughs> no tone <laughs> not giving no, anything away no, no. this game is glider rider and it's about glider riding. No, it's your it's your call. Away you go. <laughs> Away I go. Right. Okay. Glider rider. So glider rider is a uh, was created or designed and by John Pickford. I found out um, by the Pickford brothers. Uh, Steve Pickford did the visuals, I think, and John Pickford did the design. So what is this? The problem is, is that straight away I can't take this game seriously because you're a member of the Silent but Deadly Squadron. <laughs> it's like okay. I mean, I've done a few glider rides in my my pat in, in my own past, but they were never silent but deadly. That's for sure. No, I can vouch for that. They were never silent and always deadly. <laughs> they were. So I, I put, oh, they must have laughed at the fart-based punnery. So when his boots up, that's a piece of David Whitaker music. Perfect, I've heard one, and it plays constantly. Oh yes, and constantly does. A and bit. Uh, you soon get used to that, that. You better like that bit of music because you're going to hear it a lot. Yes, a lot. And the other bit's okay. This got really high score for music, didn't it? It did, yeah. It's good music. Yeah, crazy, because I didn't... Mm, yeah, well, it's it's right. just repetitive. Yeah, and the other bit is okay. But anyway, so this is so when I first started this, I couldn't really remember much of this. I think I had played it, but I wasn't really sure of it. And when I started it, my first initial thought was, is, is this Clumsy Colin 2? It had a vibe, didn't it? Sort of a mini motorbike driving around the landscape and... Yeah, in that sort of isometric view. Mm. And I thought, oh, maybe they've gone, you know, maybe this is clumsy. You know, this, this is the follow-up about the, you know, he's trying to rescue his crisp packet, which would have probably been a bit more interesting, maybe, I don't know. But it's without the scrolling, so it's flick screen. So the whole point of this is that you are a elite member of the Silent But Deadly Squadron, which essentially means you go in on a bike. I'm seeing a problem there. <laughs> it's a very quiet bike. <laughs> it better be very, very quiet. So it could be a push bike. <laughs> it's a push bike. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's a motorbike. Shh. We know it's a motorbike. It looks like a motorbike. <laughs> it smells like a motorbike. It, it is. is a motorbike. It is a motorbike. But then you can, if you're going downhill at any point sort of thing, and you're going fast enough, you pull the joystick in the direction, and you can morph and change into a glider. You, know, you can go onto a glider. So, like we do in glider, what was the other one? Glider, glider pilot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, there's no fun to be had in gliding. And there was no fun to be had in gliding in this, I found. Um, mm-hmm. Because you've basically got to turn into the glider, go around these islands and bomb stuff. Uh, because you're trying to put pay to the arms dealers Abraxas, who sell arms to anyone, anytime, anywhere. So you're flying around or riding around the single-color isometric landscape, dropping bombs and trying not to get by lasers, which I did a lot and would get just told it was game over and I didn't really know what the hell was going on. I found it hard to judge where I was when in glider mode. There's no way to tell how high I was from the from the ground. I couldn't figure it out. I don't know, the perspective just kept winning. And because of that, I didn't know how close to the edge of the screens I was. So it kept flicking from screen to screen and then it had to draw every screen. So there was this pause to the gameplay constantly. This sort of, just like play, pause, play, pause, play, pause, play, pause, which I found very irritating very quickly. Mm. Uh, and I didn't like it. So it didn't, because it didn't allow me to respond to things in a quick enough time, which is why I kept dying. Um, and I, I, you know, I've put that there's, there's an interesting idea here with the use of two types of vehicle. And the way you switch between them is quite novel. Doing it on the fly, you know, getting up speed to go downhill and then going into the glider, that's quite nice. I quite like that. But in the on the whole, the use of the single colour visuals, the overbearing music, I just found it a pain to play after a while. And it just, you know, that music ate away at my brain and I, and I just, just, just wanted to turn it off. And I don't, that shouldn't happen in a game. I shouldn't want to turn games off. I should want to continue playing them. But I think there was something about this that nothing ever seemed to, it just seemed to be... A bit bits of stuff that they were aiming for something that just didn't quite come off because you want that fast paced flying around and bombing stuff what you don't need is that drawing of screens every time and it'll be interesting to see when we get something like last ninja whether that's stood up because that does a similar mm. sort of thing but I, I imagine that the slower pace of that maybe Helps, yeah. is not quite so not quite so intrusive so it'll be interesting to see when we get there um mm. i don't know because we haven't obviously looked at that yet but glider rider i kind of remember playing it back then and i don't really remember much having positive feelings back when i played it back then and that's not really changed on revisiting it now so i don't know did you did you get more than it from it than i did no no i i felt that we were packing our cars in the same garage as it were i wasn't struck on the visuals i'll be honest i know that you know there's there's some nice there's a nice game idea in here i think the game itself with a bit more time and a bit more effort perhaps is possible in in terms of its logic i didn't like the kind of colorless sort of spectrum-ish kind of looking graphics they just didn't quite work for me but i suppose if you could get past that did it control okay i found the controls a bit sort of hit and miss when i wanting to try and turn into the glider so I kept sort of going down hills and then reversing the controls and just kind of immediately turning back into the motorbike after I was the glider for about 0.3 of a second. I don't quite know yeah. if that's me and the way I controlled it. It probably was. So I like the idea of the game. I just couldn't get my head into the space of it enough to be able to really enjoy it. The music was okay, but it did after a while really start to just sort of loop its way into your brain. And so I just thought I don't, I couldn't stick at it perhaps more than I wanted to. Because I, the isometric nature of it wasn't really for me. I'm not a fan of it, and generally, the graphics were a bit colourless and a bit horrible. And I didn't really like the controls so much. So I thought maybe there's an maybe there's a game in here for something. I think this perhaps worked better on other on other formats more than the Commodore 64 because I think it did come out on other other formats and they perhaps were quite well presented as well. But this just didn't work for me. You know, I say it didn't work. It did work. What I mean is it. As a player, it didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's. I'm afraid I didn't. 
glider ride and majestically fly through the sky throwing bombs. I just kind of clumsily flapped about like a buffoon with a glider <laughs> strapped to his motorbike going, I don't, it's supposed to work. Um, uh, and thereby not really getting into the whole Abraxis Corporation must be destroyed logic of the game and all the rest of it and getting the bombs and the gun towers and disabling the controls mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And all of that game stuff was completely wasted because I just couldn't really do what I felt I should. And I suppose in a weird way, if you took this to the sort of the next level of this kind of thing, aren't there? It reminded me, and I can't really explain why, but I, I got kind of a Far Cry 2 vibe about the sort of finding gliders and just gliding around landscapes and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah. And then, of course, is that, what's that other game um, on the sort of more modern consoles where you can fly around and you can hook your wire onto things? And, I oh, don't the know. Just Cause game. Yeah, the Just Cause game. So I suppose... There is a space for a game where you do the kind of stuff they're trying to do at Glider Rider. I just didn't like the implementation and it didn't really work for me. So mm-hmm. um, that was my take on it as well. Probably good for people that like that. The graphics are kind of really bright green. I don't know if it was the way I had my screen set up or anything, but by the end of it, I was kind of, every time I blinked, I could see little green sort of bogey-like motorcycles and, and, <laughs> and the music was kind of, I was thinking, what? What's going on? What is this game actually doing to my brain? Yeah, they weren't they weren't great. I mean, they were they, they were nicely drawn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't yeah. get me wrong, but so everything's pres- presentationally everything's kind of there. But I just think that for a fast reflex action based game, I, I just cried out for a shadow. I, was a sh- I needed a shadow. <laughs> yeah, I needed a shadow. Yeah, totally, totally. So so I could judge judge where I was yeah. on the landscape because that's that was the main problem I had. It's it's impossible, almost impossible to judge height. Yeah. I mean, even. Zaxxon gave you a shadow, didn't it? I yes, think. it did. So, yes, it yeah, did. So you, you could kind of tell where you were height-wise as to how close you were. And that's a really important you thing that, when um, trying to judge height. Little red light's gone off on Hank Marvin's desk. <laughs> someone, someone who wants the shadows? <laughs> and it's like, no, no, somebody's talking about a game on a, on a podcast. Oh. Yeah, he, he would never reach here, though, sort of thing, because he just constantly walks in a square. <laughs> yeah, that is, honestly, that's, does. that's a real affliction for those shadows. They still do it to this <laughs> day. They can't do Pl- anything. <laughs> Please give generously to pop stars in squ- pop, qu- pop squares, yeah. we call them. Please give generously to these pop stars from the 60s. <laughs> They're constantly walking in squares. <laughs> Their constant onstage minute dances have affected them greatly and now in later life. They can't do anything but that. That'd be weird. <laughs> Shaking Stevens? No, we don't. I always wondered if the shadows casted a shadow, if they had them. No, because they they were actual shadows. They were just (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. They were were shadows casting shadows, (laughs) casting. And if and and those shadows cast further shadows, exactly. And it's like down into infinity, this fractal shadow. Exactly. And he can't grow stubble because that would mean he'd have you know a shadow sort of (laughs) morning, you know, and it doesn't work for him. Five o'clock shadows. He can't have it. Yeah, the five o'clock shadows are an offshoot band. They can only play at five o'clock before that. They're not allowed, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, dear. <laughs> Christ on a bike. The five o'clock shadows, they'd be brilliant. What time is it? It's five to five. Can't play yet. Sorry, we can't go on. <laughs> they can play for one minute. <laughs> Their gigs are legendary. They fit 36 songs in. <laughs> I'm sensing a, a, a gig poster in their immediate future for that band. The five, five o'clock, o'clock shadows. shadows. <laughs> what time are we on at Reading? Five past five. We can't. Nah. That's no, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> oh, now, now, now. That's not that's Blondie, that's, but I don't know. Blondie. It's just a guitar. They've done guitar a version of it. They did a cover everything. of everything. Yeah, they did. Oh dear, they're not very good though these days. They're a shadow of their former self. Oh. <laughs> I'd love to hear them do a version of uh, "Killing in the Name of" though. Now that <laughs> by the shadows would be amazing, wouldn't it? 
Anyway. Yeah, Papa, Papa Roach is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Cut my life into pizza. That'd be good. <laughs> Shadows version. Just yeah. hear this. Hank Marvin sing that. <laughs> uh, where were we? Glider Rider. Yeah, I think we just <laughs> decided that we didn't quite like it, really. No, uh, no. Let's move on then to uh, our next game, which is Soldier One. <laughs> it's never going to get boring. <laughs> Soldier One, right, Graham, tell us uh, about whether Soldier One is any good or not, because I'm not giving anything away. In Soldier One, you are a one-man army, and you've got to uh, sail to an island, take the island, command the fortress, and do everything you can to avoid the exact description of Beachhead, which is game blatantly (laughs) is. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's just Beachhead. This game is Beachhead, essentially. It's a kind of a longer, stretched-out version of Beachhead, and not as good in any capacity, shape, form, or variation. Um, nope. with a really odd looking title screen which i'm sure we'll put in the you know in oh, the show notes and stuff like that but so the game is spread over seven levels and those levels are battle at sea behind the cannon closing in on island enter island fight them on the beach watch out for ambush and attack the fortress at least five six and seven of those are basically the same in fact, probably probably anything where you're not at sea is the same kind of logic. You've got a cannon at the bottom of the screen and you're kind of shooting either in arcs, so shooting sort of up and over to try and time it to hit the... A bit like the level on Beachhead. Or you've mm-hmm. got kind of got a, almost a... I'm using the term first person only in the sense that it's sort of the gun's at the bottom of the screen and you're shooting at people who are coming up from behind rocks and stuff. And really, it's kind of that's kind of an extension of the same game from the other bit. Or you've got the battle at sea sections where you've got to sail your ship into the to the coast and do that kind of stuff a bit like beachhead so <laughs> we're gonna say that a lot aren't we well it's it's, it's the trouble is you've got a power it's bar hard not to and every time you get shot or you get hit with the the enemy weapons the, well bombs you lose part of your power bar and obviously it's game over if uh, if you lose all of that you also have to be careful because you, as you shoot with your ammo you gradually decreases every time you fire which you know, is logical. So you've got a clock in there as well, and your high score is based principally on how much, how quickly you are, how quickly you get through the level. So the more time you've got left at the end, the bigger you score. And you work your through those stages, which I did, by the way, all of them, because it's stupidly easy as well. Walk my way through the stages, and it's just a rip off of Beachhead. I didn't enjoy the experience. The graphics get blockier and clunkier as it goes through. Most of the games are just shoot from the bottom of the screen at the thing at the top at varying heights and just, you know, spray bullets carefully until you hit them. Um, It was really easy. I didn't have much fun with it. It took me about maybe 10 minutes in total, maybe 15 in total to complete it. I think I'll stick to Beachhead 1 and 2. Thanks. Someone, whoever made this, leave the Beachhead. Go away from the Beachhead. Go for a swim (laughs) somewhere else. Go do something else. Just never, never do this. Got 35%. This is full price, by the way. Ouch. Awful. I know. Just crappy Beachhead ripoff, and I prefer Beachhead. What about you? Yeah, well, it's by Grieve Graphics. That title screen's amazing. That guy who they've got on the title screen today. <laughs> it's like his his bendy leg nonsense with his what with his green one with his green one piece one suit jumpsuit on. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, Soldier One, uh, Beach Dog Egg. Yeah. So it's shameless, really. It's a substandard Beachhead knockoff. That's really crap compared to the two year old original. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Okay, yes, it's got seven stages. 
And yet, as I've noted here, seven turds in the hand is infinitely worse than one or two because there's nothing good about any of these stages Seven whatsoever. times worse, at least. Absolutely. It's just a massive pile of shit. And that's what we've got here. This is quite something. I love how you're supposed to be this all-American GI-type guy on the title screens, but then it's all Navy stuff. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. You know, hang on a minute. What, you're a one-man army, but uh, you're not You're not uh, controlling that massive cruiser ship, you know, destroyer that you go in on. Oh, if you are, then who's... level. You know, it's, the logic of here bears, bears no resemblance to anything. It's nonsense. Mm. The whole getting into the beach bit was stupid because of the accuracy of the bloody <laughs> shot. Ridiculousness. <laughs> it was stupid. Shooting boats top down, you know, arcing shots to shoot boats, trying to sneak into the beach, shooting people on the beach. I didn't, I turned it off at that point. I didn't bother. I, didn't, I don't know what six and seven were. I was, I'd, I'd had enough. I never got any further. I didn't want to. None of the levels in this are as enjoyable as Beachhead. No. Nope. Certainly not. Nowhere near Beachhead 2. Absolutely not. I'd rather play that. What was that god-awful other one we looked at? Uh, Death Wake? Oh, goodness me. Yeah, true. It was better than that. It was the other Beachhead knockoff. It's like, mm. why, why... Beachhead is... I don't believe that Beachhead is that hard a concept to do, to probably improve upon. No. And what was the other one? There was that other that rubbishy epic. There was another one that was just... It was just that... It was just the the shooting one, the, wasn't it? it was the ship just, screen. Yeah. There was the carve one. There was another one as well where you were just shooting the ships. Um, awfulness I don't know how people you know either if you can't do it don't do it no, you know if you no, look no. at your game and you look at a two year old game and you go this is immeasurably worse yep. then just put it to one side and make something else my final comment on this is soldier can do one um, <laughs> and that's I was this game annoyed me because I like Beachhead and this is mm. shameless it's and shameless. I don't like this kind of knockoff nonsense I think 35% was massively generous mm. but that's just me well, you I know <laughs> I, I agree. I think that don't be generous for this price. Just stupid. Just go and get Beachhead. Yeah, why, would, why wouldn't you just go and get Beachhead? Yeah, exactly. It's it's on it's on compilations at this point. Yeah, absolutely. you know it, it can be had. It can be had for pennies. You know, they're giving them away get down Beachhead the arcade. One and two under a compilation by now than you would Probably. this one game. And they're both better than this. And they're both more fun. And it's got speech. And it's got all sorts of other cool stuff. This has got none of those things. No, it's just you just feel aggrieved. Mm. And considering this is by Grieve Software, that's why you would. Yeah, um, Grieve Software. Like, um, yeah, Grieve Software. You know, you'd be like uh, Thorgrim. You'd be aggrieved. <laughs> you'd be beside yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. He, he, he made this game from an egg. <laughs> <laughs> he killed my snake. <laughs> <laughs> so Grieve Graphics can be crucified on the tree of woe, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Sorry if you're in Grieve Graphics, but this was you did a bad thing. Yes. Um, and, you know, there you go. I get it. I get it. I, I understand the notion of, like, ripping off someone's game when you're learning how to make games. And that's, you know, that's how you cut your chops. You see how other mm. people do stuff, and you do yeah. that. I get that. Don't release it. We say this time and time again. <laughs> Show it to your mates. Look what I've made. It's not as good as Beachhead, but well done. You got yeah, close. Just keep it now to Now what yourself. can you make? But don't charge nine ninety five for it. That's shocking. No, 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 no. No. <sighs> right, let's move on. Because we've got Sizzler coming up next. Come to Zap. <laughs> Bobby Bearing. Bobby Bearing. Good old Bobby. We, you know, it's about time we had a game that's named after Bobby. Yeah, Bobby something. We, we haven't had a Bobby game, have we? We've had loads of I others. I don't think we have, no. No. So uh, my first comment on this is go play Spin Dizzy. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah, straight away, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kid, I kid, I kid. Bobby Baron is another single-colour oh, single flick-screen isometric adventure. 
Those words send shivers down my spine, let me tell you. Yeah, see, gl- see Glider Rider up above. Yeah. Except this time you are a ball roll- rolling over the uneven landscapes, scouring the world for your lost family in an effort to get them back to your home world of techno-fear, more mm. puntastic nonsense. It seems to me if you create a single-colour isometric game, you have to have some kind of nonsense punnery going on in yeah, it as well. Although they inadvertently are creating some of the best names for industrial metal bands. Of all time. What, Technofear? So. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, you've got to get them out of the evil metaplanes. That's what I mean. That's their first album of Technofear. <laughs> well, they're doing it yeah. all, un- all unconsciously. <laughs> Bobby Unbearing. So what this comprises of is much rolling. There's so much rolling. There's all, all the rolling. <laughs> rolling. <laughs> so, rolling, yeah, oh, rolling, also, rolling. Well, I was thinking more of Limp Biscuit. Rolling, yeah, rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's much rolling from screen to screen, navigating narrow walkways, avoiding enemy balls, and trundling around whilst the vaguely nice tune plays over the top. You can get squashed by blocks that rise up and down and battered by black ball bearings, but let's not go there. It takes what seems like an ace to get back to playing whenever you do die, and the speed of the screens is strange and unpredictable, I found. Sometimes you'd be rolling around and it would be quite slow, and then come back in on the same screen, it would be dead fast. I don't know if you found that. I don't know if there's something going on yeah, on same, screen. Same, many problems. So, uh, so, And also, some screens would be quite slow and nothing on them, and other screens mm. where there's quite a lot would be fairly fast. There seems to be no rhyme nor reason to the no. the speedery we're going on. I, I personally found this, and I know this was well-respected and well-liked, isn't it? And I don't mm. get it. No. I don't. I found this tedious and dull. It's a really, really <laughs> boring map. And there's, there's way, way too many. There's one point, if you go off up to the top right from the opening screen, because there's no title screen as well, is there? You just, yeah, just start. start. It's just, it just starts. You roll out of a hole. It's like, yep. here you go, go. Okay. I could have done with a title screen. Maybe, you know. I get it. You may not have had any memory, but, you know, you could have probably knocked out about 50 of those same screens you just got to be going through all the time. <laughs> Save some memory that way for a title screen and some options. Because does you go up to the top right and there's just screen after screen of sort of crossways constantly. Just crossway, 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 crossway. And then there's lo- there's a screen as well where you can go up over a little hump and just get stuck behind this, yeah. behind this hump. And I did, did that and you have to reset. I might, you have to press Q, don't I you, don't, to reset, yeah. Yeah, just, just dull, boring. You know, I, I never got this back in the day. I, I don't mind spin dizzy. So it's not like I don't mind, you know, isometric things. If they're done well, they can be quite enjoyable. But this, I never, ever got the adulation for. I never got it and I still don't. And I don't like Bobby Bearing. And it's a shame because it's called Bobby. You know, he makes the best spirals, <laughs> which I had some of the other night, and I sent you a picture of them. You and did, they were oh yes. so salty and vinegary. They did look very salty. Um, they were. So, uh, did you get anything from Bobby Bearing? Did you? you know, I never you, liked it. Did you it. enjoy it? It's another marble-based game, isn't it? Yeah, I, I never liked it. I never liked Bobby. I didn't get it. I didn't get it then, and I don't get it now. I like the idea of the techno fear, you know, industrial band that they've created, and the fact that that's that is a yeah that would be that's, that's good that's described as a land of the future made of steel and inhabited by things of steel like okay <laughs> uh, it's kind of a steel based world then who made the steel don't matter so <laughs> i just thought the idea of the game was okay you know people have, are unconscious and you've got to find your relatives i've been in that situation myself before now we've uh, we're not been out in the town and friends and family have just you know passed out in the corner of the car park somewhere and we wondered where they were I'm digressing because this game... Just, Sorry, <laughs> That was you. <laughs> I know it was. In fact, I think, I found, actually, I found you outside of the pub and you'd thrown up on your own feet. But that's a whole different, yes. that's a whole different story. <laughs> this game is... Um, I just... Let, wait, let's interesting. I don't like games where I'm rolling around. I've just decided, decided that I don't like Marble Madness. I don't like rolling around games a lot. And this is a rolling around game. The music did my head in. It did my head in. Yeah. 
And I yeah. thought maybe in here, if you like this kind of relatively controllable ISO ball maze game, if you like that kind of thing wrapped with this weird story, fine, go and fill your boots with it. If you like that kind of single color sort of ISO world, fine, go and do all those things. I th- the design is weird in this game, I think, and a bit sort of almost blocking of view. So it's not as clever or as good as Spin Dizzy, which is the only game of this type I've had a bit of time for, I think, because I could change my views as opposed to being forced to quit the screen and restart because it went isometrically wrong or indifferent to my needs. <laughs> uh, I think if, the, if these kind Do of things... you have isometric <laughs> needs? <laughs> How could we help? The isometric indifference is the second album from Technophere. The second album, yeah. After uh, Metaplanes. So if you've got a penchant for isometric games of this ilk, it'll float your isometric boat but for me i don't really like the games with lots of single color as well on the commodore 64 it's it's a machine capable of many colors and later games prove that and some of the you know later the, you know there's a low, whole range of colors and yeah there's a payoff between multicolor and sprites and high res and i get that but i just find lots of high res it might be detailed but it's kind of just one color and a bit dull looking this was mm-hmm. a game from the edge wasn't it so it was you know it was, wow is this a return to a decent game it wasn't for me but people seem to like it but only took them what how many years <laughs> pumping out well, what else did they do the edge i thought they were done quite yeah. a few games maybe i'm wrong i Are don't they? know why did they do wizardry was that know. the edge was it i don't know are they specialists in isometric i don't know <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> anyway, so I think was yeah was yeah, I think they did Wizardry the Edge. So I didn't get anything from Bobby Bearing. That doesn't mean that there aren't isometric people, isometric people, people who like isometric games out there and might get <laughs> people this one. who can only walk in diagonals. <laughs> <laughs> There's people in uh, Wreck It Ralph, and they kind of walk like that, don't they? <laughs> so if you're if you've uh, an extra from Wreck It Ralph, you might like this. For me, Spin Dizzy is really the only one of these I've actually got a bit of time for because it's really good and colourful, and this one isn't. And so you know you can't wrap up a turd and make it look any better, really. So I, 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 I'm actually being a bit harsh. It isn't a crap game. This it's just not a very good game, and certainly not a game I would get into. So it can uh, Bobby Bearing is not the thing for me. I'm afraid. Sorry, Bobby. No. Sorry, but like your no, crisps, not, but not, not your games. Absolutely. Your crisps are amazing, but um, your actual metaplanes and techno fear and all that nonsense can <laughs> roll, roll, roll off, yes. as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Um, roll on, so that's it. Roll really. off. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Miyagi has spoken. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> you must. Oh, in this game, you can roll off or roll on. <laughs> Remember, Daniel San, you must roll on. Or roll off with your deodorant. Like deodorant. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, uh, what's her name? We'll not want to hang around with you. <laughs> what was her name? Uh, Elizabeth Shoe. Eliz- Elizabeth Shoe. <laughs> it's not a name. That's, that's a, a name. real name. I don't know her yeah, name. Yeah, but I I don't know. Know. what's a what was a a character? I can't remember what her name was. Daisy in the film. or something like that. Probably. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. She might, it could be Bobby, but it probably it isn't. could have been. Bobby is a you know Roberta. Roberta. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, there we go. So that's what. How many games we looked at? Those at six or seven. Uh, I think uh, six, I think. Seven, seven one, with the construction two, kit. Three, four, five, six, seven games. So a, just to say, there are a lot of games in there this are. issue of Zap. There were a lot of games. So this two-parter is uh, cham, crammed. You know, cham-jocked. Cham-jocked full. I don't it's even know what that means. It's, I like that, though. It's cham-jocked. <laughs> cham-jocked. That's, that's going to be a track on Technophere's uh, <laughs> album. I'm sure of that. A bit of full-on cham-jocked. <laughs> anyway, speaking of music... Let's move into it after this brief word from our sponsor. We'll see you in a bit. Bye. Thanks to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, who has cheapest chips audiobooks for sale to keep you company. There's Starfarers and Tharnians in space, where the Tharnians are out to get Deacon. 
But worse, everyone on Earth hates him. He'd get a better welcome at the Palyar Commander's brother-in-law's house on Targ than his own planet. And what about the case of the notorious roboticist, where Moroz must stop Isadora from enslaving men via her robots? Even Elvin wouldn't do that. Visit davidhernwriter.com, that's david, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com, to find out more. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back to second part where we're going to look at music from December 1986. I warn you now, it's Christmas, um, as you can probably <laughs> guess. And so a lot of the music here, or lack of, is down to it being Christmas. Um, so let's let's get into this. What we got in our number one singles? We have, for the first week of December, was the final countdown carried on its run at number one. Very popular. Uh, for one more week. Coming in after that was the Caravan of Love by the House Martins. Mm. Um, stand up, stand up. Uh, that was number one for one week. And then it was knocked off the Chart, top of the charts by Rite Petite, mm. 1986, by Jackie Wilson, which was uh, Christmas number one and New Year number one by the looks of it. Yes, it was. So that was it. So uh, what have you noted here that it famously and controversially kept the House Martins off the number one it Christmas did. single slot? Or oh, did it? Oh, I don't know. Well, Tell us, what's this all about, well, Tell us, the, what's this? In an interview that I watched with the House Martins, the chap from the House Martins, I forget his name now, the, main, the lead singer guy, who went on to do Beautiful South and all that. Paul Heaton. Paul Heaton actually kept kept really good diary notes during the entire time. He, he's just one of those sort of people that keeps diary notes. And he made notes of, obviously, when they had number ones and when they were going to be on top of the pops and everything else. Now, some people didn't like, some people being just, you know, the powers, didn't like the video and the necessarily the content of The Caravan of love even though the message is very nice the video um, and the sort of performance of it did have kind of some quasi-religious overtones which some people find a little unsettling um, i think they had crucifixes shaved in the side of their heads the same to recall or something like that and so for whatever reason it triggered a kind of a, a weird response now the jury's out really on the fact that repetite was released which was i'm not even sure what why that was released i think it may be in an advert or something but that was released and according to the sales of the singles the house martings were the Christmas number one by sales of record. However, the BBC on the Christmas Top of the Pops announced that it was Reet Petit Jackie Wilson, and so it remained. And so I think that um, all the members of the house martings felt a little bit cheated by the system that they were possibly held off by a fudged chart um, entry mm. of Reet Petit when in fact it was a bit of a political politically motivated overtone to keep them from that uh, number one slot. Now, whether that's true, whether that's, you know, whether that's the real deal and or that's all conspiracy theory, I don't know. I just find it quite interesting because that is still something that seems to stick in the House Martins craw because they made mention of that in a recent uh, Top of the Pops histo bio sort of documentary series that's been on BBC iPlayer. And they made a bit of a point of sort of going back over that and saying, oh, yes, that we were held off from that and it wasn't right and yada, da da So I guess in that they felt a bit raw about that. They still went on to have massive success regardless, but, you know, they weren't Christmas number one that year. They weren't. And um, were they ever Christmas number one again? No, nope, they never even made it that Probably far, not. that high. And in fact, that was only the second song that was a cappella that ever reached number one at, at the time because the previous one, so that was the Flying Pickets with uh, Only You. So, oh, all right. Well, there you go. Thank you very much for that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very that, much. Uh, Good night. <laughs> <statistical facts. laughs> 
Yeah, I'll be carrying on alone now <laughs> for the rest of this podcast. Back to albums. What do we have in albums? Well, albums releases, you can probably guess this. For the entire month of December, it was Christmas present bonanza it because it just... was now that's what I call music eight. Yeah. So they were just essentially, it was just, you know, I don't know what to get, little Billy. To buy that now, now eight. People must have got about eight copies of this, I reckon. Oh, absolutely. Tape, the CD version, the album version. Yeah, I bet you're opening yeah. presents. People were wallpapering their houses with them. Yeah, yeah. Huge so popular so it popular. was it was all over Absolutely. but it kept everything off so there's not a lot to say about it is it it's just a load of singles again yeah so you, it's perfect christmas fodder yeah um back then so let's go to new singles 7th of december <laughs> we have uh, open your heart by madonna there it is finally there it is comes in just before christmas it's a good time for people to open their heart have you got anything further you'd like to uh unburden yourself with graham <laughs> at this uh, time is anything no. you want to uh take off at, th- at this specific time now no, okay. Right. Actually, there yes, there a is. Lot of... Let me actually just let me just say that okay. um, I apologize. I wanted to apologize to you for encouraging you to headbutt a traffic light, even though you did the most heroic <laughs> standing jump I've ever seen a human do. To this day, I've never seen anyone leap that high from a stand. Um, it was incredible. It was like a proper sl- slow motion moment, but you did grab a traffic light and smash it with your forehead, which g- gave you a, a Davros-like eye in your forehead for about two weeks. And your mum was not yes, pleased about that. So she was very unhappy with me about that, encouraging you to do stuff. But I just wanted to apologise to you and your family for the trouble that I may have caused. <laughs> it's okay it, it's okay i'm a man of free will i'm not not coerced into things easily i just thought i, I honestly thought i wouldn't reach it <laughs> and i was surprised when i did and when i did i realized i have to follow through here and so i headbutted it yes yes the, you did. the green light it was yes, the green light yes it was I, you know i just jumped and grabbed the hood <laughs> to this day I'm, I'm grateful that didn't smash yes that's i'm grateful for that as well because i would have electrocuted myself well, and probably died it, I don't know about the electric part. It would have just it would have put a hole in your head. A, a, yeah, a, 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 a fairly traffic light sized hole. Yeah, those just to say that traffic lights, the, the glass on them, they're made of tough stuff. Yes, I didn't hold back. <laughs> you really didn't. Someone didn't crack your skull open. Yeah. I know. Anyway, I'm just apologising for maybe instigating <laughs> that by going, "Hey, Eddie, can you reckon you can jump up and put that traffic light?" And you're going, "Ah, no, I couldn't do that. Hang on, I'll try." And then you actually did. But that leap. <laughs> because they, they it was, you go and stand next to a traffic light and see how high up that, that like they're really they're high up it's not like it's I like know. just a small grab you it was like properly that's a properly high leap but then again i remember you saying to me that when you was at school when you did high jump you used to just like leap leap, leap over the high jump like <laughs> no fosbury flop for you just like flew like superman over the high jump and managed to get quite high like that as well no yeah. school records I, I was, and such incredible yes i was a i was a i was a springy chap <laughs> i had powerful i had powerful calves powerful thighs and calves <laughs> and glutes i, I was it's <laughs> like um you know ram man or something absolutely so there you go anyway, I apologize for that thank you for thank you for that i'll, I'll accept that apology okay, so it's fine good. it's only taken 20 years <laughs> it, it hasn't affected me too much <laughs> you can't see the green light now on a traffic light because all sorts of trouble. Been, uh, no i'm all colorblind <laughs> right number 48 what do we have number 48 was i'm all you need by samantha fox why didn't someone just tell her to stop <laughs> Well, this is what I put this in sort of thing, because essentially I, st- I started to sort of get the impression maybe that Sam Fox might have thought that she was the Britain's answer to Madonna. And I thought putting these two in yeah. next to each other, Madonna yes. comes in at number eight and Sam Fox at number 48. And sort of maybe she could be that, but she won't really, was she? No, but, uh, no. I mean, let's put Madonna's some of Madonna's hits next to Sam Fox. Touch me. I don't know. Maybe like a virgin. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's not. No, let's she's not. not. She was um, no. no, 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 no. 
Um, number 56 was Him to Her, <laughs> which was by The Pretenders, your favourite your favorite Hummers. Do you know, I went on um, YouTube rah, rah, rah. to check it out because I thought, okay, you know what? I've been giving The Pretenders a pretty rough ride because I do sound, think they sound like they've been crushed under duvets or sofas or something. <laughs> it didn't change my view. This is one of the better Pretender songs. That's not saying much for my take, but I guess people really liked the singer. I, don't, I just didn't. No, it's not for me. No. Uh, but they've also got that punny title, aren't they? Him, H-Y-M-N, yeah. to her. Yeah. They must have chuckled around um, the sixth form when you wrote that. Fourteenth <laughs> of December. There really was a paucity of new releases this month. Mm. Um because obviously nobody wanted to release anything because it was Christmas. So number thirty seven was Over the Hills and Far Away by Gary Moore. Gary Moore's an amazing guitarist though. I mean genuinely like what well, was, genuinely just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, really, yeah, really good. That, but I don't know. The only Over the Hills and Far Away song I know is the Mission one. I don't know if that um, is that, because I think Over the Hills and Far Away, is that not a cover? I think it might be. I don't know if it's a cover or, or not. I don't know if it's if it's no a Gary idea. Moore original, because that's the gar- guitarist from, what's the band called? The guitarist from... Um, Striper. No, Striper. <laughs> oh, my God, the, the, the whiskey in a jar, famously. and Thin Lizzy. Thin Lizzy, yeah. So he set up Thin Lizzy with... with um, Did he? Linnet, Phil Linnet. So Phil Linnet. Phil I'll, Linnet. So, yeah, Gary Moore set up Thin Lizzy with... Phil Linnett, and then obviously they went on to do those sort of things. But Gary Moore is, is an insanely good blues guitarist. I mean, really, well, was really, really an amazing blues guitarist. Probably one of the best in the world. Yeah. Are you sure he's dead? Um, reasonably sure. Reasonably sure. <laughs> We're reasonably... Well, on a zap to the past scale of dead, how, how dead do we think uh, well, he is? Is you know, does anyone really die? Are we not just all experiencing <laughs> life on different astral planes? I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you what, I did listen to that. It's quite rocky sounding, quite sort of, you know, not metal, but kind of rock sounding. It's not the sound I expected from a Gary Moore track. I but should it's check still it out. I yeah, mean, you should. Because, like I said, the Mission, Mission one might be a cover of that. I don't know, because the Mission one's quite rocky for them, yeah, that track. I think, well, they, he's, I think Gary Moore, I'm, I could be wrong, but I think he was Irish. So there's a lot of Irish sort of roots to the kind of style that he plays as well. So quite interesting, quite interesting story. All right. Number 44 was Ballerina Girl by Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie tees back. Lionel Richie is back indeed. Do you know what? Do you know that song? Never heard of it. I never heard it ever. And I didn't actually go and listen to it because I didn't want to. No, why would you? No. Yeah, I wouldn't. And then, but at number eight, <laughs> here we go. Number eighty-six. They're back. <laughs> it's the theme from EastEnders and the Howard's Way by those square dancers, the Shadows. Someone could ask the question, "How did they? How did that mix work out?" And someone would just say, "They found a way, right?" Because Howard's Way is that. Da, 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 it is. Da, da. So it's Howard's Way, and then uh, EastEnders is you know anyone can fall in love in it. So it they don't so. sing the Shadows. They only actually play the. Fender, Just don't guitar. they? Famously yeah. plays Fender, the Fender with that kind of uh, echoey sound, which actually yes, leads me to a discussion, a quick discussion about the fact that I actually had the exact effects pedal when we played in a band that Hank Marvin used. It wasn't Hank Marvin's, but the exact same effect pedal that Hank Marvin used to get that sound, which is a Memory Man, which is a very old-fashioned kind of delay slash echo pedal. I still own that to this day. It is massively electrically unsafe, though. Don't go plugging that in. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's you're going to get a shock. Because I did, and it then blew my bloody arm off. So um, there's something badly wrong with the wiring. So it's uh, it's very dangerous now, and it became a shadow. Maybe maybe unplug it and you know take it, have a look, you know, unscrew it and see see, see what the wires that, are. And there's nothing in it, and that's what kind of freaked me out. It's just powered by <laughs> Hank Marvin. I, powered by the memory of Hank Marvin. It's actually his voice in there. When you when you make a noise, he does it back at you. <laughs> well, at some point, we'd actually written the word Hanks 
on the top, which is still on it in kind of, it's painted on in kind of acrylic paint, so the Warhammer paints, but it says Hanks in multicolours, and it says Memory Man. And I say, I still own that specific pedal. We gigged, we played a gig with that pedal. The famous track, we, do. With the, we in a band, we did a song called Problem, and Problem featured a bizarre intro on the bass where it had a real echo effect, and the echo effect, for those that are really into their technology, was created by the Hanks Memory Man pedal. There you go. It was indeed. And you ever worked once. <laughs> Yeah, I still have my chorus and distortion pedal. Of course, um, yeah, because you had that crazy distortion pedal, didn't you? That sort of, you know, yeah, super really distortion. Heavy. Yeah. Yes, oh, so that's, that's better than uh, that the Shadows. <laughs> Probably. Did you go listen to it? Uh, I don't need to, because I, I, if you hum it, that's exactly how the Shadows play it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> anyway, no, 21st of December, just before Christmas, is the most bizarre song of the year. Yeah. Number 75 was Distant Star by Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> um, the, do you, I mean, I went off and listened to that. Yes, I did as well. That's why I put the link there. Well, what, what killed me more? I mean, the fact that it's uh, Anthony Hopkins doing a sort of spoken word a la... I reckon it's, I reckon it's seen the Shatner do it, yeah, yeah. It's very Shatnery, very, you know... He's better than Shatner's, though, because he's got a great voice, Anthony Hopkins, whereas Captain Cook was just tambourine man. You know, he's doing his tambourine man. So his entire album of that, and Leonard Nimoy's album was better. But I actually quite... Was intrigued by this because I found his voice hypnotic. And then what really made me chuckle is that loads of people in the YouTube video comments all agreed, going, Oh, that voice is so hypnotic. I was like, Wow, <laughs> we've just shared a thought. Um, He's hypnotoed in so, yeah. you. He totally hypnotoded me. Yeah, it was massively, I was totally hypnotized. Yeah. He's mesmerizing, though. He's a mesmerizing guy. It, yeah, he was. And then he ate your liver with a nice Chianti, so you never <laughs> noticed. Yeah. Bloody um, Hannibal so- Lecter. <laughs> Yeah, 28th of December. <laughs> I guess you don't like this song, but Walking in the Air, 1987 from Alad Jones. I absolutely Every year they it. release it. I ate it. But why would you release it after Christmas? Yeah, why would you release it after Christmas? Why release it at all? It came out, it was on the Snowman film, wasn't it, famously? So when he floats around in the air, it's that. So, But I presume this is not the original, because I think it was earlier than that, the Snowman film, wasn't it? No, it was. It, so this Alan is the Jones, 1987 version. Well, I'm guessing they So I presume this is a re-release? It. Yeah. It's, but it's, even so, wouldn't you release it beforehand? Well, how old was Ali Jones when he sang this version? Because he was kind of a, you know, a choir boy, wasn't he? And as, as he got older, the kind of the tonality, I suspect, shifted. So it started walking in the air. By the end of this time, it's walking in the air. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it voice had dropped. in on the ground. Exactly. You know, his testicles had sort of dropped to his shoelaces at this point and, <laughs> and everything went a bit deep. And that was the end of his uh, choral boy career, such as it was. But yeah. I hate it. I hate that song. I hate it. I hate the moment in the stupid film when he floats around with the snowman if i was there i'd be flame throwing that thing out the sky going that what i don't know what it is but it's going down um, yes i don't yeah. like it and bit, just stupid yeah the only good know. bit of the snowman is when it melts yeah and i would help that i'd be surrounding it with real you know powerful heaters <laughs> so snowman no more <laughs> snow more <laughs> number 97 though is the last of our singles is love is forever by billy ocean nice totally forgettable yes. i've never <laughs> don't yeah. think that's going anywhere no 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 albums wise what did we have for albums new releases for albums 7th of december in, in, number five was live magic by queen hi yeah live album live, <laughs> live album by queen yeah uh, number 40 anything by the damned it literally Not anything is on that. by the damned, but t- yeah, but title called anything. 
Is this, <laughs> should we put this album out? Anything you want. Good anything, title. Anything yeah. by The Damned. Yeah, yep. I'll do. I love the fact that number 43 was the Carols album by the Huddersfield Choral Society. Uh, did they? I'm sure they featured before. They probably did. But what I like about that is that they um, they beat out at number 57, Chaz and Dave's Christmas Carol album. <laughs> I find that quite something, really, that the Huddersfield Choral Society charted higher than Chaz and Dave. What kind of world are we living in? Well, no, Chaz and Dave. The, I didn't realise how popular Chaz and Dave were in terms of sort of British TV. They ha- actually had, I put the YouTube video and we'll add the link to the show notes, but there was a video of their Christmas, one of their Christmas shows on YouTube. There's not many footage of them live on YouTube in that kind of way. What, Chaz and Dave had a Christmas show? Oh yeah, there's, there's an entire Christmas wow. show and there's a perform- There's a video of it on YouTube. It's about, I think it's about 30 minutes long. And it's basically, it must have been a TV show where they've just created kind of a fake pub, filled it with the most disinterested people you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and then Chaz and Dave sort of, hey, it's a party, everyone, hey, rabbit, 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 hey, rabbit, you rabbit, cardboard, cardboard, cut out, hey, rabbit, no wardrobes, wardrobes, <laughs> who's looking in the wardrobe, that kind of, and just made up, you know, lots of songs where they're just firing words at each other, it seemed to me. And then all the people in the background, some are kind of just, you know, drinking pints of fake beer and sort of looking at each other and clinking their glasses. And there's some people just look thoroughly pissed off that they're sat there. I would recommend everyone watch it. And also aim for about the 12 minute 43 mark for a real treat, but I'll leave that because one of their guest singers isn't at that point. I'll just leave you to see that for yourself. I will have a look at that. But I think, did you think that they, they they got the dictionary and they just picked opposing synonyms and Dave was the synonym one and Chaz was synonym two. So it's like, so they picked, you know, rabbit, egg, rabbit, egg, egg, rabbit, rabbit, egg. And they just did that. That's how all of their songs were formed by just picking opposing synonyms or just two words. Dave, pick a word. Carrot, right? I've got uh, egg, carrot, egg, egg, carrot, egg, egg, carrot. And it's just like, wow. That, no. Why do you always go to egg? I don't, I don't know. It's your second word. I don't know. It's because it's easy to remember. Bread, egg. Bread, egg. Perhaps I'm, I'm always thinking about toast and eggy toast. Mm. <laughs> Egg, toast, toast, egg, eggy toast. Just go and check that video out anyway. It'll be in the it'll be in in das show notes. It will be there. It will it will be in the show notes. By the way, I didn't realise that one of the either Chaz or Dave had died. One of them had passed has passed away for definite. I don't know which one, but I'll just you know I'll just say that Chaz and or Dave. Sorry to see you go. Absolutely, Daddy's last rabbit. He did at number seventy because they're also higher than Harry Seacombe. You know, with Highway of Life in at number seventy. Yeah, this is the paucity of content I had to play with <laughs> um, to pick out this month. Uh, Harry <laughs> Seacombe was very beloved by the Songs of Praise Brigade. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. The 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 Grey Brigade. They loved a bit of the old uh, Seacombe. Yes, they, they seek did. him here. They seek him there. <laughs> yeah, and do you know what I? The comedy side of Harry Seacombe, which is not an album by him, by the way, um, is just a, <laughs> something, a general point. He was a really funny guy. So. Wasn't he in The Goons? He was in The Goons, yeah. He's the funny, one of the fun, real funny ones, him and Spike Milligan, yeah, really. Yeah, he really had good. a proper voice. Yeah. Of- comedy he did I, I, quite, I quite liked him for that at number 89 predicting their future uh <laughs> was book was books fizz with the writing on the wall wasn't it just yeah so fifth and f- i did five albums i was in books fizz have five albums yes really uh, that was came as a surprise to me as well when i read that yes yeah so that was that basically uh, anyway i'm not going to say much more about books fizz you know no i just um inter- interestingly just make, your, make your own mind up. well right there's, there's one song that was popular off that this was the first album they recorded after their contract had ended 
So this is the first and only one on Polydor. Whenever I think of Polydor, I think of Polymer Records from... Um, hi, Ari Fufkin, Polymer <laughs> Records. Um, so I think of uh, Spinal Tap, so it's possibly the same label as them. It didn't bode well. They changed their one of their members, um, Shelley, she was uh, Shelley Preston. Sorry, Jay Aston was changed for Shelley Preston. Who And they've, I didn't realise, but they announced that on Wogan. They was like, hey, we've got a new uh, band member, by the way. This is uh, Shelley. Hey, Shelley, say everyone. Where's Jay? Eh. <laughs> We don't know. She, she can't. She <laughs> she's uh, relaxing with Whitman, Price, and Haddad. <laughs> you remember them? Um, <laughs> so uh, it was. Uh, it was ironic that it was literally the writing on the wall because, as much as it was critically bizarrely, critically well received, the audience were less than impressed with it so there you go and yeah it's kind of imagine. the audience that buy records or books fizzers i believe they're now touring again by the way so. of course they are they're all touring again everybody's touring again the whole world is touring again there's i think we're touring cruise. again did you not get the memo <laughs> no. there's an 80s cruise where a lot of these sort of 80s bands they go on a cruise and you obviously you're a passenger on the cruise ship i thought you meant me then i, was no, like, no, I'm no, not you don't, I don't go on, go on cruises <laughs> 80s cruises but there's a cruise you can go on and all these bands feature as part of the entertainment on that cruise so and books fizz i suspect are one of those there's a great, great idea for a murder mystery, isn't there? Well, who killed Bucks Fizz? Nobody would care. Well, okay, you know, which which of them sort of thing, all those old spats that would come out between all those bands <laughs> oh, that didn't get just, along. Yeah. That'd be brilliant. Like, who, ki- who killed Gary Kemp? <laughs> I tell you who what, stabbed him in the back. Fight it out to the death with batlets, all of them. Yeah. Just put them in a ring. Seven quagloos on, the- <laughs> on Martin Kemp. And in the end, it'll be Ari Fufkin, Polymer Records. He, that's who did it all. <laughs> T- Tony, what's his face from Spandau Ballet? Oh, he's a massive man. He's huge. He's massive. He was, he was quite big. Yeah, he just he, he, he can shout eat. a C note that loud it can sink ships. So just don't get <laughs> him can, angry. He, yeah, he'd just eat Simon Le Bon like a bonbon. He would. He, he, he could actually emit a sound so sonically devastating <laughs> that uh, it could cause tsunamis. So don't ever get him too cross. <laughs> don't ever put him on a boat or near <laughs> no, water. No, don't. He, he's, he, has, he has to, by law, stay 50 miles inland. <laughs> he does, yeah. He does. It's <laughs> written, he does. As a, we have a, it's a thing in England. If you're not, you're not from England, you might not be aware of this, but we have the Hadley Law. We do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we well, if, if anyone sees him near a coastline, they uh, they have to ring uh, ring the police, and they will turn up and escort him back to fifty miles away from the coast. That's right. That's how they it's keep the Wycliffs of Dover clean. He just goes <laughs> offshore and emits his sonic boom, and all the brown and crud falls off. So very powerful, very powerful. True. Yeah, his audio resonance can uh, shatter a seagull's mind. <laughs> Don't say much. <laughs> Poor seagulls. Chips, chips, ah! <laughs> gold, gold, gold. <laughs> oh, the Hadley Law. <laughs> oh, Anywho. <dearly>. Anyhow. <laughs> 14th of December, the singles album by Soft Cell. Yeah, I remember one of them. They had enough, sing- they had enough singles to make an album. Apparently, yeah. Apparently they're hugely popular, but... Maybe they were. Must have, must have skipped me. Yeah, absolutely. And then at number 99 was Nick Berry by Nick Berry. <laughs> yes, at number 99, yes. Self-titled, <laughs> self-named. Well, this is the album, so yeah. not the follow-up to Every Loser Wins. This was the <laughs> title. It seemed like a good idea at the that's time. Tr- that's, that's true. His follow-up single to Every Loser Wins was It Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time, which I oh think is God. more of a self-analysis uh, and description about the fact that he wrote that stupid, sang that stupid Every Loser Wins. He didn't write it, but he did, sang it. Did you... Did, did you look at? I wonder what the track listing is on that Nick Berry. Nick Berry. I mean, it's what what would be on it. We wish you were Berry <laughs> Christmas. That's on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
I think my brain's working time, overtime right why, now. <laughs> why did they not release the album and call it "We Wish You a Berry Christmas"? It writes itself. <laughs> I should have been in a mar- in marketing back at that time. <laughs> Nick, I'd have sorted you out, mate. You'd have had yeah. a, such a big hit on your hands with that, and lots of berry-related songs. I mean, in Santa Claus, known as Old Saint Nick. Yes. There you go. Saint yeah, Nick. Absolutely, yeah. Saint Nick Berry. Yeah, you could have played a bit on that, couldn't you? Remember that? Yeah, sort of thing. Nick Berry coming down your chimney. <laughs> no, nobody wants that. Actually, no. <laughs> no. no. Fond- fondling your presents. How the hell did you get up there? Get, get up. What's that in my eye? Ah! Ah! <laughs> Every loser wins. <laughs> I'll get you, Berry, you bastard. <laughs> You come back here. Stop coming down my chimney. <laughs> Dangling your berries at me. <laughs> That's his second album, Twig and Giggleberries, yeah. <laughs> Nick and Twiggleberries. <laughs> Nick my Giggleberries. <laughs> That's his Scottish cousin, I think, isn't it? <laughs> Nick, Nick my Giggleberries, yeah. Oh, how I, oh, how I had a, a problem shaving one day. <laughs> Oh, Nick dear. McGiggleberries. He must be Nicholas. Nicholas. That can't be his real name. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't find anything that would suggest that that wasn't his actual name, but I think he's probably Nicholas Berry. So I don't think he's Nick, just you, plain uh, old yeah. Nick. Jolly Nick. Nick Beret in France. It would be Nick Beret in France because they wouldn't be, be you know, yeah, sto- Nick Stolen hat, as, they, as he's known as. <laughs> stolen hat. <laughs> Nick Beret. If he loses the wounds, it makes no <laughs> fucking sense. You're right, it doesn't. Could have told you that. Where's my hat? Where's my berry? <laughs> it has been stolen. <laughs> berry, it's a merde. <laughs> Get out my chimney. <laughs> Oh, man alive, right. 21st, that's, that's, wow. 21st of December, number 65, the Placido Domingo collection by Placido Domingo. <laughs> it's not going to be up anyone else, that is it? <laughs> by Nick Berry. <laughs> Placido oh, Domingo, Jesus. yeah, he was a good old singer, wasn't he? Yeah, set along to him. Number 67, the very best of Elkie Brooks. These were the only new releases, by the way. I'm not picking this because <laughs> I have anything to say about it. That's just it. So, that was it. The very best of Elkie Brooks. The you only know any Elkie, Elkie Brooks? One song. Fool if you think it's over. And that's it. I don't know any others. And I didn't recognise any others on the album list either. No. Uh, mm. And at number 84 was the House Martins Christmas Singles Box by the House Martins. Oh. There you go. That was it. And there was that's no it. new releases on the 28th of December. So that's it for music. That's uh, it. Nick and Twiggleberries. <laughs> And uh, (laughs) Rabbit and Eggs from Chaz and Dave. Um, I think that's about it, really. So that's it. There's not much more. Let's get back to the games because we've got loads more to come up. We have. After this message from our sponsor. See you in a bit. Thanks to our sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, who has seriously cheap audiobooks to keep you company. Join Tara as she goes back in time for a donut, where she must stop her evil sister while still finding time for a game of Galaga. Priorities, right? Then there's Paddy Go Easy, What Happens When You Hit and Run, where a young Aussie fool hits a cyclist and just keeps going. Will his conscience get the better of him, or is he just a heartless git? Get onto Audible or Kobo and have a listen. Dave's podcast pick is the standout Boulder Dash construction kit, which he says is about as much fun as you can have sitting down. I'm saying nothing. Hello, welcome back. So let's crack in. We've got loads more games coming up in this section. And our first one is Uchi Mata. Does it matter? I don't know. But Graham, tell us all about Uchi Mata. So Uchi Mata is a judo game. 
Um, is, that, is it Brian Jack's Uchimata? Is that the full title? It is, yes. Yeah, so, yes, I believe so, I yes. What Brian Jack's has got to do with it. I guess he's a judo guy. Yeah, he's a judo, he's a judo fighter, yeah, yeah. Anyway, He was so, very good at, very good at uh, those parallel bars on uh, uh, Superstars, if you remember Superstars. Oh, Brian Jack's Superstars, yeah, of course, yeah. Right, so... This is in the vein of a international karate slash way the exploding fist type game. The difference being that the sport you're playing is is judo. So it's got a lot to like. There's great big bold sprites. There's lots of moves. Quite nice animation the way it works. The game setup itself is quite good. And the idea of the game is obviously that you're fighting an opponent in judo and you get more points for technicality in this game. It's quite clever the way it works. So it's not a game where you can just go and IK plus and, um, sorry, IK, IK plus, way explained fists, I just go in and beat the living crap out of each other and the one that gets the knockout, whatever, wins. It's not like that, this. So in judo, in this, you've actually got to kind of grab them and when you grab them by pressing the fire button, that's your grip on their sort of judo costume because judo is all about sort of throws and using your body weight um, in a technical advantage over your opponent and so in this you uh, use your fire button to get a grip and then when your grip is strong enough to for you to be able to perform one of the technical moves you can then try and maneuver the joystick to achieve a certain array of different kind of judo moves now i don't know the names of other judo moves but this game adheres to the actual proper names of the judo and the sort of rules and regulations so it's it's playing a little bit like a almost like a Barry mcguigan's in the sense that it's really adhering to its sport that's, I think, to its credit. And so you actually get points in this for achieving the technique you do, but also the perfection of that technique for the mo- and the move you've tried. Now, all of that is really great. I actually find it almost impossible to do any of it. And I think that's because <laughs> you just need to sort of understand and really get used to the way this game plays. You've got to get the idea that this is a fighting game in the traditional sense of these sort of things, a one-on-one beat-em-up type game. It is that, but it's actually more clever than that. So you've got to really sort of think because you, your foot positioning, when you press your fire button... Um, on the joystick your grips and your sort of grip strength goes up and you've got to time it right so that you're the perfect grip so that you can do and sort of maneuver the other player you've got to do all this before the other player does it on you i had to actually switch this into two player mode and play it sort of just so i could try and learn some of the moves because if you try playing against the ai computer version it's unforgiving and it just threw me around until i was done um Mm -hmm. there's a neat little sort of soundtrack in there in the background it's played in kind of a graphic dojo type sort of sports environment and that's kind of the crux of the game as much as I couldn't achieve the things I wanted to do, I have actually always quite liked Uchimata. And when I rolled back the clock thinking about when I had this before, because I know I think I, I didn't own this, but I think I'd got a copy of it somehow. And I think I actually did get, in the end, get to achieve the moves that I wanted to do back then, understanding the way the foot positioning works and your display, because your display has the kind of your foot positioning, your sort of scores, and then the main screen is the kind of opponents, that your opponent and you fighting sort of left to right. You actually start on the right-hand side of this, which is always something that throws me. I don't know why I expect to start on the left, but hey-ho. So I think I quite like the idea of this and it's been, it's the way it functions. I think perseverance is the key to being able to really get the most out of this game. And I think if you do persevere, I think it's different enough and worth and enough to make it a worthwhile game and experience and graphically and, and everything else, it's quite interesting. And I think it's good at what it does. I just think that I think if you don't persevere, if you're one of the more instant gratification gang like I am, I don't know whether you're really going to keep trying and keep getting thrown around by the enemy AI player enough to really be able to sort of get past that and get to the part where you're really enjoying it. I think that maybe that maybe they made the learning curve to do that too steep initially. But if you had two players for this and you were just and you were both complete novices, as much as you'd just be stood there waving your arms around for quite a bit, eventually you'd start to be able to realise some of the techniques and moves in this and and start to sort of get more Uchi matter out of it. So for me, it was. Uh, I spent more time on the Uchi matter than I did uh, doing any Uchi matter, but <laughs> going Uchi. 
going, <laughs> Uchi, ah! Yeah, it's, uh, it was more of a cry of pain. I got the idea of the game, and I think there is a good game in there. It's got 89% in Zap, got... It's an eight ninety five price. Like it's about, it's all about right. I think perseverance is the key to the success of this one. But what about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. There is actually a practice mode in it. Yeah, I just, um, and, and I, I utilise that, but I still couldn't quite get to grips with it. No, and it is unforgiving in one player when you do start totally. going up against the AI and it just grabs you and chucks you and you're like, oh. Because you've got to be quite quick with the throws, aren't you? You only get a very brief window of time. Absolutely. When you, you know, you grab hold of each other and then you hold down the fire button and that the space, it sort of pops up that red bar or white bar at the top. Yeah, whatever. that's right. You grip straight. That, that's your, yeah, that's your uh, moment of moment of attack and and you've got to be very quick and do and and it, what i quite liked about this was that this was i don't know if there's a game that did this before this but this kind of does the street fighter style of moves mm, um yes. in the fact that you're you're Joystick not just you're component not, sort of click click sort yeah of so yeah. You're, you're not just going like up diagonal mm. left diagonal right you know and, and pressing that does you've got 16 moves this is like having to grab them and then you have to roll the joystick so yes. you know you've got to roll the joystick up, to, so up, de- up from the far right up to the left and sort of thing you've got to kind yeah. of roll it in a sort of you know half the move step. patterns kind of thing yeah and that was i thought that was quite interesting for this yes. i don't know if there's i don't know if there's a game that predates this that does that I mean, I if anyone's listening any. to this, and and you know, let us know because I I I'm not aware of any, but I'm you know, I'm not massively up as a, a fighting game aficionado. No, me there may be one out there, but I thought that was quite interesting, and and it's definitely something that was, and, and I thought it re- it fitted this kind of game. They'd obviously taken a look at judo and gone, you know what? Instead, if if you just press up and left or right or whatever, it seems a bit pointless. But because you, you half of judo is rolling the person around your body, isn't it? It's using their yeah. strength against against them, and so by utilizing that. That control method of rolling the joystick is kind of mirroring that rolling of the person mm. you know over your over your shoulder or throwing them or whatever and i thought that was actually quite clever yeah it's still dead hard yes that's yes, that is. we can't get away from that but i think yeah i think about 89 percent is, is about good mm. for this is the graphics are good the animation's really nice the sound is okay and you know it's, it's bare bones it's just one-on-one but no more bare bones than something like exploding fist i suppose mm. and but it's 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 good and it's different and it does something different and it's nice to see a well-considered different take on the genre that does something you know actually takes a sport and 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 gives it some thought rather than just being a bit i'll just knock it out you can Mm. clearly see that whoever's made this has considered it and I, I like that about it, and and I thought this was all right. I, I I thought as difficult as it was, and as tricky as it was to get to grips with, <laughs> um, this was uh, this was good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, so I would I would recommend Uchi Matter. Yeah. And didn't they um, inadvertently also create a song in a Disney movie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uchi Matter. What a wonderful phrase. That one. <laughs> Are you talking about what Lion King? <laughs> yeah. So I know it's Hakuna Matata, but it could have been Uchi Matter. <laughs> <laughs> it means judo fighting game for the rest of your days yeah um, no i agree good game good game good game just hard to master it yeah what's the uchi matter with you <laughs> what's uchi matter with you what's uchi matter with everyone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but yeah i like this i thought it was clever yes. and um but just just hard but you know i think this would really reward perseverance yeah, that's why i say you stick stick with that i think you're going to get good at that yeah and i think two people good at this yeah not me though would be a really really good to not not all no, we'd be flailing around like idiots. Would you be gripping gripping onto each other in a yes. big in a bear hug? For me, it's you don't. Yeah, I also don't quite understand the reason for the move, which is instant disqualification. No, I don't get that. Like no. towards away and towards straight away, it's just instant disqualification. Yeah, don't do well, that. Don't never... punch. I don't think you have to punch in judo. It's well, you're not. So... Punch in judo. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's bad. You know, imitating hand puppets. Here, get out. <laughs> 
don't want your kind ear. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> What's the matter with this? Not a lot, as it no. turns out. No. It's a good game. Yeah, good. Play it. It's nice. So let's move on. To our next one. And we're off down the pub to play some darts. It's off to the sideways egg for a pint. <laughs> sideways, sideways egg for a pint, some uh, meat house. Um, <laughs> and then in between that, we're going to break out the darts. That's and we're going to have a nice seat and see who can get 180. Because that's what we're playing. It's 180. 180. 180. This was a three quid mad game. Um, so it's this, this is Mastertronic's added dimension. And so this is a... We've not had a darts game. It's the first one, isn't it? I no, think. and then have like we had buses. A darts game? <laughs> no, we haven't. I don't well, believe. well, th- what one bus works, and one bus is a broken, cronky old nightmare. Yeah, we'll talk not about this, that soon. Not- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving anything away. Damn it! I said I wasn't. <laughs> Damn it. Darts down your local pub. Cheapest chips dart game. So you've got um, two. So, this, you know, so you can have a single player game where you've got a three stage knockout tournament. So start the quarterfinals, head to the semifinals and then the final. You can play two player head to head and there's a practice mode. Uh, so not good. It's kind of like Uchi Mata, really. Same yeah. kind of same kind of setup, I guess. All yeah. for three quid. That's all right. So like I said, in single play, you start a knockout tournament in the quarterfinals and you have to win the best out of three rounds to progress. So that each round is best of three. So you got to win two two games in each round and you progress. First to get to 501 wins, it's standard darts and on a double. For, for those who don't know darts, the whole point of 501 is you've got to get to 501 is, as a score and end on a double. Mm-hmm. So that's it. You know, go look it up. Your, your opponents um, are a mock bunch and I pick from a random bunch of eight characters which consist of and I'm going to list them all here there's Tactical Tell Mega Mick Big Belly Bill Jammy Jim Del Boy Des Limpy Wrist Larry Sure Shot Sydney and Devious Dave and he did indeed look well devious I have to say he looked like a he looked like a weasel um, (laughs) at the end there it's weird so in game so the game starts and you go first which is always handy because you're going to need to go first when you get to the final if you get to the final is you see a view of the board and there's basically a floating hand in the middle so you're face on to the, straight on looking at the board this hand floats around the middle you move the joystick and it starts going in a diagonal direction and go top left top right bottom left bottom right it never goes up down left or up down left or right so it goes in diagonals you have to sort of control it aim it towards where you want it to aim when it gets over the point you want it to aim press fire lobs the dart jobs are good and repeat try and score as much as you can once you've taken your three three arrows arrows whatever you want to call them darts uh, darts no they're called <laughs> arrows mate get with it get, get with the lingo get your arrows out <laughs> get, get, with, get with the lingo or get out my pub get out my <laughs> good arrow good arrow exactly so once you've thrown them all the it switches to a sort of side on view of your opponent it's quite it's a it's just a sort of picture of the pub you're in which is yeah. alright I suppose it's quite nice but there's a the, the person who you're playing is animated they're standing at the hockey throwing their three darts and they get whatever they get and you progress and you play through lots of games of darts I have a bit of a penchant for darts I do like darts I used to play a lot of darts when I was younger and do you know what I really like this game mm. I always have done it's a it's a solid little darts game it does exactly what it sets out to do and does it well it's fun it's a knockabout little title don't take it too seriously as you can tell by the character names it's just a nice darts game the music fits the visuals fit it's got some nice weird demo like touches as well like the massive scrolling text when you yeah. win a game yeah um, scores across and the and the uh, clip speech of 180 when you score that yeah which, is, which made me laugh it gets quite hard I mean for, for a chunk of it it's pretty easy it's pretty easy to get 180 I, the old skills came back immediately straight up right straight hit left hit fire you'll always get double you'll always pretty much get treble 20 straight away the hard bit comes when you've got to get the doubles at the end mm. but when you get to the final the final you've got to get nine dart finishes because whoever you're playing gets nine dart finishes yeah. every time without fail and so you've got to be perfect to win 
win that final, which is, you know, they could have added a little bit of leeway in there, maybe, mm. but it is what it is. It's, you know, it's, it's the end of that. You're going to have to get perfect at it. But um, two players, this is a real good laugh. Two players playing darts because you can be rubbish. Not knock, Always knocking your... Uh, opponent's joystick just so I was about to hit was always a good plan um, you know and just nudging their arm he does that when he plays real darts and then the amount of trouble that caused when he's hitting people's joysticks and they're not carrying actual <laughs> game controllers yeah I'm not, I'm not nudging their arm I'm nudging the joystick still <laughs> play with his joystick that'll stop him <laughs> absolutely also as well when I play I aim diagonally they look dead weird at me <laughs> they're like why are, you, why are you aiming around the board in diagonals That's can't do it any I other way it. just <laughs> don't ask don't ask devious Dave or whatever your name is to your joystick Oh, God, that really hurt. 180. <laughs> Where's Nick Berry's? Keep me in me, Nick Berry's. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, you got them all. You got the full treble 20. <laughs> all three Bullseye. of them. Uh, <laughs> I want aiming for that. <laughs> uh, anyway, for three pound... This is a good game, and I like it. It's fun. It's, it's a knockabout darts game. It got 70%, which for me is probably bang on for this. Um, maybe a little higher in my books, but I, I've always really liked this game. I used to play this loads when I was a kid. Just for some strange reason, it really appealed to me, and and I like it. So there you go. I still like it. It's fun. I enjoyed my time playing it again. What about you? Did you like it? Yeah, same. I own this back in the day. I'm like you. I'm not a great darts player in any stretch of the imagination, but uh, this is this adheres to the rules of these games. Then when they do this right, we like it so it's a darts game and you can play a really good game of darts and it. it's got enough difficulty in the way that it controls to make it a bit of a challenge so you can't just throw the dart and get you know 180 every time you got a bit of skill there to master with the sort of diagonal controls it's three quid for goodness sake so you can play a really good fun game of darts so what's not to like about that the graphics are good it's a reasonable representation you don't have to do all the complex mathematics that darts sometimes involves which is often throws people when you're playing it against them if you're not good at it <laughs> <laughs> that that mental arithmetic is not everyone's strong point, so it takes a little bit of the pressure off. I really liked it. I liked it back then. I say I bought this for three quid. It was a no-brainer for me. I quite enjoyed it, and it's just you know, and, it, and I even played it as two-player fun enough. You know, it, it, it's a good little game. This and like you say, the music, the presentation, everything else, it's bang on for two ninety-nine. Seventy percent's about right. It's not an amazing, perfect, super world games type thing or anything like that. You know, it's in the in the ninety-eight percent brackets, but. Uh, this is a good game for the money and certainly better than any other darts-based games we'll be reviewing during this potential episode. I can't, I can't, I can't comment on that being Switzerland this this episode. <laughs> so so yeah. um, I'm not going to make any comment on that. But yes, we do like 180. Yes. Check it out. That's a, that's a double top from me, that's for sure. It's Bully's special prize. So go, <laughs> so go and enjoy it. <laughs> a speedboat. <laughs> oh, you Indeed. lost the speedboat. <laughs> Trouser press. <laughs> oh, you lost the trouser press. <laughs> the shortest time. We Anyone's should link to that. To, I think we will link to Bullseye contestant, uh, the famous Bullseye contestant. Um, <laughs> if it's blog. still going, it's still I hope that website is still going. If it's still there. We're going to link to that because that is genuine website gold. Yeah, it really is. For those who don't know, just someone just put a, a blog together of Bullseye audience members and contestants. contestants. Yeah. So, and it's just. Uh, one of the funniest websites you will ever it see. Is. It's it a really is. <laughs> we love it. It gets us up to the past gold medal <laughs> that way. It does, yeah. <laughs> it really does. All right, so that's that. Along with uh, Ross Kemp Folded. That's another yes, one of my favourites. That's favorites. another good one, yeah. Um, I love that. It's still going, you know. People are still doing them. 
because there's always <laughs> mileage in a folded Ross Kemp. That's all we can say. It really is. I've even uh, So him. let's move on. <laughs> what, folded? Yeah, he was folded when I met him. He's really short. He's a lot shorter than you imagine him to be. I thought he was like a giant of a man. But when I was in the lift with him, in, I, I went into the lift in a hotel in Birmingham and he was just in there. And for some reason, I lost my sense of reality and thought he was Bear Grylls. So I asked him, I said, hey, look, I, that's a, I was quite tipsy. I said, the last time I saw you, you were fi- fighting a lion in the jungle. And he looked and went, want me, mate? I was like, oh yeah, that was Bear Grylls. I want you. Stupid mistake. <laughs> Schoolboy error. He gave me the Grant Mitchell stare then and I, I left the room and, and started shouting for Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> made your excuses and left like I a did, new world report. I bloody well did, yeah. God, I did bother him. Yeah. All right, on, on that Ross Kemp bombshell, <laughs> let, let, let's move on to our next game. Which is another pub-based game. It is. Very much so, because this is called Pub Games. Yes. So, uh, Graham, this is all the pub games. Tell us all about the pub games. <laughs> this is a game compendium of games that you might find in your classic British boozer. We don't have any of these in the sideways egg, apart from darts, because um, we just don't. So the games involved here, when it come, when it starts, you can choose from poker, darts, bar billiards, dominoes, table soccer, blackjack and skittles. Now I can tell you that skittles is something I've seen in pubs but never played. I don't understand bar billiards and what it stands for. Dominoes is an interesting <laughs> game if you're over the age of 72. Table soccer, if it's slow like this, makes you want to hang people. And poker uh, with no logic to whatsoever isn't poker, which leaves old wobbly blocky darts, which is the final icing on this ultimate crappy cake it's crap this game was crap it's a collection of the crappiest games made badly so it's yep. honest to god this is you've just bit into a shit cake and you found a, a, something even worse than shit in i don't even know what that would be so i actually I, could, I, I didn't want to play more games of this than i had to so i didn't explore all of them because call me old-fashioned but i'd had enough by the time i'd experienced their blocky nasty version of wobble hand darts where the logic oh. of throwing darts is so stupid, it defies belief. But I'll come to that in a second. And, and I had a go at table soccer, which was so painfully slow. I thought, this is the kind of table soccer speed I imagine people play when they just, you know, when, you, when you've got it for free. You know, when you were a kid and you didn't have a 10p or whatever to put in to get the ball, you would just move the men around. So, and it was a bit like that <laughs> on the sticks. There's yes. no ball in there. So you just got moving them in position, pretending to play. It was, it was crap. The darts, by the way. So you end up with, uh, I don't know what, illness the person has who plays darts like that but I've, if I hold a dart my hand doesn't just go crazy wobbly wobbly like that it just and it's just this blocky hand thing wobbling around and you sort of jiggity jaggedies all over the screen and then you eventually sort of get it into a position where you think the dart's going to throw but you've got to allow for the way that this throws so instead of having speed when you throw a dart so if you throw a dart forwards it goes like an arrow one might say to the dartboard for some reason this kind of goes for kind of overhand lob so it goes up and then it goes down. So you have to sort of aim three quarters of the way from down the board for it to go up and land. So if you want to score a, a triple or a double, you've got to really position it right. And how many times did I hit the metal frame with a stupid dartboard and it goes, it goes and yeah. follows your dart randomly and stupidly. The camera of the game and your hand follows the dart to the bottom of the screen. So you have to scroll wiggly wibbly handed all the way back up to the dartboard. It's crap. Crap. 10 quid for this. 10 pounds not one of those games is worth anything it's absolute shit do not ever play this game and and curse yourself with it (laughs) i've had to unfortunately for this podcast i played this game so you don't have to so please take my advice go for a massive poo you'll enjoy it more avoid this absolute piece of nonsense dog egg shit it's rubbish i hated it yeah i hate everything about it never never talk about it to me again about this bit you're going to talk about I'm going to talk and, to you about it. And I, you? Because I could, yeah. Well, I played all the games. Oh, why? Why I, did you do I that? Well, because, you know, I'm a, you know, I, I like 
to be able to say if something's really crap. And I was hoping that somewhere in it there might be a no. diamond in the rough. And, and all there wasn't. was just a no, there was just a shit in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, several. <laughs> yeah, many of them. And I just kept picking them up and going, oh. Do you know, it's, it reminded me of, you know, when you, if you, you're trying to clean up a dog shit and then you actually step in the dog shit as you're trying to clean it up <laughs> in like, in like a slipper and you're like, oh, f- you know. <laughs> oh, no, the, no it's the, the worst one is sort of thing. It's when your dog, you, you realise your dog's crapped itself at home, but also as well, you've not noticed the other one just behind it. Yeah. And then you go to scoop up the other one and barefoot's treading the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you tread barefoot on a slug, that's the same difference. Yeah, it just, just squeezes through your toes, oh. uh, you know, and you're suddenly yeah. like having to clean out shit from under your nails. Oh, and everything, everything you're saying <laughs> tells me that you didn't like this game so much. I didn't like this game. I probably hated it more than you, maybe. So so bad. Why? Have, so I put, why have just darts when you could have all the games the pub can offer and you've listed them all so i went through them so darts no no just to, let's talk about the music or the cacophony oh, of recognizable tunes God. roll out the barrel my old man's a dustman oh uh, awful now darts and crap supplied the soundtrack just, the... <laughs> play 180 it's way better it is Bar billiards boring really boring dominoes awful and really fiddly and with its own intro <laughs> which i didn't understand <laughs> table soccer this looks okay from a bird's eye view but as rubbish physics and none of the energy of actual table football yeah. it's dead slow and boring and dull blackjack boring and dull poker it's not poker stupid skittles bad there are no bad. physics on the skittles meaning you can only ever seemingly get three down <laughs> <laughs> they just fall over when the ball hits them they don't bounce to hit the other skittles around no. so you just just rubbish no 10 quid's worth of arse i've written <laughs> Yes. Uh, why can't I quit out of any of the games? Yeah, I found that really Why do I have to keep well? I have to reload it? Yeah. So crap. Utter crap. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. And, and 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 I I never played this. I never I was never even aware of this back no. in the day. Thank God. Um and I and, and I'm really glad that I didn't because you know, my, my young self would have been horribly scared and probably never gone to a pub if I thought this was what pubs were like. No. You know, and I'd have saved lots of money and probably be really rich. It might by have now terrified not, me and, to be and, fair. If I'd have gone to the pub and met Blocky Hans Johnson who throws those darts, I'd have been <laughs> keeping well away from him because he's dangerous. Them darts are gonna go everywhere. But you are right. How thick was the metal on that dartboard for every <laughs> dart I threw to hit it? And why did it scroll down to that hideous nightmare of a background oh, don't, the don't. graphic sort of thing which was kind of some horrible approximation of terrible 80s oh, wallpaper just uh, i didn't understand any of this i'm trying I just not didn't to think understand about it, it. And, wh- and why was every game really kind of different in presentation and there was no thematic consistency <laughs> between any single one of these no there was not no, oh was... and poker poker what poker it was just Guess guess a couple of cards. That's what I I say. It wasn't poker as that I remember. It was just I don't just no 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 no. Yeah, I'm glad we're uh, in agreement here on the anger-inducing nonsense. Fifty-nine percent this got as well. Yeah. I don't know why. I think the law of averages says that it, it, enough of those games are shit enough and got a shit three or four percent. It probably adds up to about that. Probably, yeah. They're probably, yes. It's like six percent a game, seven percent. Oh, it's up yeah. to 59. Just give it that. Yeah, no. Because not none, none of these, if any of these were rele- even released sort of on their own as a single budget release, no. they wouldn't be worth it. No. It's been nightmarish. Let's move on quickly. Let's yes. get out of this pub. Let's go. You know, it's like slaughtered lamb. Let's get out and stay off the moors. <laughs> <sighs> we don't want to be in this pub. Remember right. the animal. <laughs> <laughs> and chucked out this game <laughs> that's enough that's enough <laughs> we've got guinness <laughs> i've half a guinness then please no no guinness half a, half a guinness oh. Oh. <laughs> you got any sandwiches no no food we don't serve food <laughs> we don't serve your kind here <laughs> right that's pub games crap games what's a crap just rubbish let's move on to our next one uh this is a two quitter this is bmx simulator 
and I'm just going to put it on the table here. This is a, a bargain, another bargain two quid title here, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, top-down BMX version of Super Sprint, which you mentioned earlier on. So essentially what Super Sprint was an arcade game, I think, that was out at this point. And Super Sprint was, you had, it was sort of top-down, slightly from an angled view of a sort of really small racetrack. And you had these cars, like Formula One style cars that went round it. But the beauty of Super Sprint was the, it was steering wheel based. So you had three steering wheels and you had to twang those steering wheels really hard to go around the corners the banked corners and it was really fun to play and a really really cool game to play with much of yet obviously now we've said about trying to replicate this kind of thing on a joystick is kind of hard but bmx kind of takes away the fact so it's it's not a you know it's not a car it's a bike and it kind of gets away with it this is a richard darling game isn't it i believe so So i do i I do believe yes this is a richard darling game and following on from um master of magic and helping with uh, spellbound i think it was so he's done something quite differently he's looked at super sprint and gone right how can we do this on the 64 and what he's done is he's looked at bmx's were obviously a big craze at the time everyone had a bmx around this time of the mid 80s and gone right okay well let's just do that so this is a top-down view of a bmx course and you've got two bikes that go around it and you've you, you know you and he's, he's actually or they've actually learned from you know v8 so fire button makes you go faster left and right steers you hey they've finally figured controls that work and that's always good to <laughs> see bloody time yeah so we do this so it's nice it controls well it's got nice so there's banked curves to go up and across um and when you do go up them it helps you turn quicker there's obstacles the the layout's quite nice of the courses there are about eight seven or eight courses i think to go around the sprites are really nicely animated in the way that you know it's just top down these two sort of bmx riders that sort of go in from around the track uh that there is separately colored it's a bit kind of explodey though when you do um you hit an obstacle and you go flying off the uh, off your bike um into anything like that there's a really cool tune um on the title screen by dave whitaker which doesn't outstate its welcome because it actually annoyingly gets cut off and you have to try and you have to try and fake it if you keep, I think if you keep pressing the space bar it won't cut off it'll just loop through the options so you can get to hear it constantly and it's worth hearing constantly because it's a really nice title screen tune it's not too long about a minute and a half and it's a good tune this is a really good racing game with single screen doing what it does really well and for two quid an absolute bargain this is you know to me this is another kickstart i thoroughly enjoyed this back when i used when it came out there's a lot of skill to this there's a lot of working your way around the courses the courses are well designed the graphics are really nice i thought there's sort of good use of color and shading on the various objects that you know are there and there's good use of the banks and everything like that i I thoroughly like bmx simulator you know you get stuff like crap games at 995 pub games at 995 and then you get this coming out for two quid doing something that could have been awful but actually doing a really good job of it and i've always got time for bmx simulator and still do and i was glad to when i put it on and played it i was straight back into it and i was like oh yeah this is nice this is a nice game and i like this this is fun it's simple it sticks to what it does well and yeah you know as a as a bargain basement super sprint knockoff good stuff i like this what about you yeah i completely agree with everything you've said now i'm not always a big fan of these kind of top-down sort of controlling type things but this one actually a bit of perseverance and you're soon into the pace of it and you're soon into the sort of way of it so graphics wise it's really nice they're really nicely realized backgrounds and sprites and the tracks are nicely designed and challenging perseverance pays off with the controls because initially it can be quite hard and it can get a little frustrating the way it sort of if you fall off and the way it restarts you because sometimes you can be sort of pointing in the wrong direction but you, you do soon get to grips with that and and, and the way it works and i think sometimes it, there was i don't know if it was a book 
bug, but um, sometimes it would sort of almost feel like it was going to just keep crashing. It was sort of stuck in a bit of scenery, but I think that's just because I was so bad initially at trying to get my way around the track. I kind of got stuck everywhere. <laughs> Quite possibly. But, but like I said, yeah. perseverance paid off. And what you end up with is a nice little one, two player racing game, zip your way around the track and on an, on a little BMX. BMXs, of course, were kind of massively popular in the 80s, early to mid 80s. And so, you know, this was a, a GT was the big BMX to have, I think. I can't remember. They were super lightweight bikes at the time, weren't they? Quite in my time, they mm-hmm. were they were quite um, innovative and different. So uh, I really like BMX Simulator. Um, I, it's a game I'd, I I would never kind of go back to it one player. I always found that this was a good fun game for two players. So it's something I would I I would I imagine I would enjoy going back to and doing it that way. But that said, that isn't take anything away from it being a good game for two pounds. Take note, crap games and other things. This is two pounds worth of, of really good fun you've got here and a really nicely presented, finished, polished game. So that is the benchmark that you're facing. So if you're releasing £10 games uh, or 9.95 games and they're utter crap, then, you know, you are doing something badly wrong because there's programmers and talent out there at this particular time creating really good experiences like BMX Simulator and other games along the way. So I like it. I think 83% is probably about right for this. Music's kind of okay that's in it, so it's nothing, you know, it's not going to blow your socks off, but it's fine for what it is. No, it's it's a good game, BMX Simulator. Well worth a revisit, well worth it. Indeed, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, like I said, we've not got a version of Super Sprint yet on the C64. Like I said, I don't know if we do get one down the line. I'm sure it probably is the conversion of it somewhere along the line. I'm, I'm not sure. I, ca- I can't really remember. But at this point in time, if you want some Super Sprint action on your Commodore 64, then this is, this is it, really. And it's good to know that it's good. It's a good version of it. So I'm glad to say that it stood the test of time. So mm. still well worth your time to go and have a, have a little play around on this because it's good fun. Good, good fun. Which may be something we can say about our next game, or maybe not. I'm not sure. I can't. I can't say either way. But let's <laughs> let's find out in a moment. Because our next game, Graham, is something mm. you're going to tell us all about, and that it game is. is Captain Kelly. Yeah. So this is a top view top draw top down maze game now this actually reminded me in terms of the way it sort of looked and played a bit like kind of a version of the atari tank game or a little bit like the tank game in tron now that's as far as that can that comparison's ever going to get in the context of the game you play <laughs> captain kelly you are delivering space packages and you are stuck on board trying to deliver the space packages on board a, a ship where all the security and everything's gone kind of crazy and so you've got to you've made you've, you've got to get in the ship or you've gone in the ship and everything's trying to kill you so you've got to try and explore and destroy a set number of robots in each of the 10 sort of a bit like um, the logic of paradroid kind of logic so you've got to destroy mm-hmm. a certain number of robots on the seven levels of the ship before you enter the master control program master control room and gain full control so it's a top-down view. You've got ammo. You can run around, shoot stuff, do all of those things. I have to say, in the great scheme of games, this was just shit. It was badly drawn sprites. I mean, look, I'm getting tired of base relief graphics now on these games. Just, But making something base relief doesn't make it good. It just makes it crap. So, and it makes these games double crap. The sound on this game was so... I mean, it, this the sound on this was bad. This game was bad. Sound, It sounded horrid turgid terrible sound in this kind of maze-like shooter with just loads of bits and stuff and trying to find your way around and just awful gameplay kind of weird not any fun if you touch anything it seemed to kill you fairly easily once everything's shut down a la paradroid um you've got you know you get increases in some of the things it's just there's a 
what they've done is bolt on or bolt together, strap on, strap together. <laughs> just bits of bits and bobs of other games. And we've seen this before. We've seen what happens when you do this. Now, if you're going to do that, you've got to be good at doing that. This isn't that. It's it's 30% in Zap, 7 95 I think it for the price of eight quid, it's an absolute travesty and ripoff. There's much better games. Just take a step back, revisit what we just said about BMX Simulator for one ninety nine. This is crap, Captain Kelly, and it is not worth wasting your time with because it's just rubbish. It takes the parts of some games that you love and does a massive dump on them. So just avoid it at all costs. I hated it. What about you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's garbage. Let's not beat around the bush on this one too much. Sort of thing. My first comment is, ah, what is that music? It sends you mad, that stuff. It's like, ah! Why is the title screen out of focus? How do you do that? I don't even know how you do that on a C64. Yeah, it's But I've managed to make a title screen. I looked at it and I was like, is there something wrong with it? And I looked at it, but but no, everything else has been in focus. (laughs) I don't even know how you do that. I just asked, why am I playing a terrible version of Paradroid? Yeah, and it felt like as if Paradroid had been explained to someone down a phone in a language the person who made this didn't understand. <laughs> no, and uh, just you know, did you think that using the brown colour with grey was weird? <laughs> just uh, I, there's nothing right about this. <laughs> no. The music. Who thought that was a good idea? It's orally offensive horror. The yeah, visuals are terrible. Yeah. It's really slow too, and there's no sense of feedback from anything. You just pump bullets into stuff until yeah. it until it stops being there. Yeah. There's no explosion; it just disappears. No. And at one point, and you said, "They said, why did I get teleported to the tank level from the arcade game Tron?" Yeah. And suddenly get attacked by, tr- and I was like, "Ah, get me out of here!" It's just, just nonsense. Yeah. Just and they were really garbage. easy to shoot until I ran out of bullets, but they were really easy to shoot. You know, but well, say easy, but they took about a thousand hits. Yeah. And nothing seemed to make any or do anything. It was all it was just a really rubbish maze levely. Thing. Absolutely. And I didn't know if I could. I didn't know if they were like energy things that I could go on and get my energy back, or if they were lifts or. Oh, or you know what? If you're drawing backgrounds in a game, draw corner pieces. Make your things have corners because they don't on this. It just rotates the same graphic sort of 90 degrees to be a wall to the left and 180 degrees to be what it's one graphic rotated but that means you can't have corners so the levels just look stupidly designed um you'll see if you if you replay it not that i recommend it you'll see what i mean it's just just crap it's crap, crap 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 yeah this was a really really bad game coming on the back of bmx simulator when i was on quite the little bmx high this mm. brought me down to ground you know this was like me going up the bank curve and then going up yes. the other end sort of thing and, and breaking my neck yeah that's what this game felt like awful awful thing i turned it off very quickly yeah i don't so, blame you, you know, no, we play them so you don't have to. Yeah, we didn't play this for very long no, and we still don't want trap. you to. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Go and play Paradroid. Don't do this. Yeah. Or maybe play our next one because it's the last one of this session or yes. this level or this whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's coming up. So what is it? Our last one. It's a big one. Let's face it. It's a chunky one. This is the Sacred Armor of Antiriad. All right. So this gets 93%, nine quid. This is Palace. So let's set the scene for this one. I think this may generate discussion. Let's have a let's set the scene. So many years after the Earth has been laid waste in nuclear hellfire, humankind has led a peaceful life once it's crawled back out of the nuclear ashes, in which all technology has been shunned as evil, until that is aliens turn up and start killing everyone and herding the survivors off to work in the mines for precious stuff. The, the ore, the precious ore, or oh, the precious, precious moonbeams. Newborn babes are being smuggled out, though, to be raised as fierce warriors to hopefully get back at the aliens and find the sacred armour, essentially. So you play as Tal, who is the best of these warriors, and you are charged with finding the mythical sacred armour 
of what is actually called anti-rad, but it's quite clever because this is all told... Um, you get a comic with this, which is quite nice. Did you go mm. look at the comic? I did, yeah. Was, um, I remember it being really cool even back then. So. It's, it's a nice comic. And what I like about this is the uh, the, the design for the, anterior, the anti-rad, where the name comes from, anti-rad, how, how it's just a crease on the paper, isn't it, between the R and yeah. the A in the, in the word anti-rad. It, it looks like an I, and I quite like that. So it's actually anti-rad. But anyway, so you go looking for the sacred armor of anti-rad, anti-rad. And what that entails is you making your way, and then, and then making your way to the center of the alien base and blowing them all to kingdom come. Okay, so that's our plot. That's where this game is coming from. It's a, you know, nice story, and like I said, it's very well presented. So this is a palace game, as I said. So we're going to expect good things from presentation, and we're not disappointed in that. The title screen is great. It's simple. It, you know, we're talking colder and colder and two style again. Really, really nice. Nice visuals. There's a nice sense of atmosphere to it. Mm. Um, you know, it just says the word Antiriad on it. Is really nice. It's carved in stone, um, and then there's this mm. the armor there as well. We get some, you know, Tal comes jumping on. There's a chasing of an alien. There's this going around. There's all the while to an amazingly great piece of Richard Joseph music plays. Mm. I love, love, love the, yeah. the title screen music to this. It is by far my favorite piece that he did. It is a great tune, and I love the way it's sort of two almost two parts as well. Yeah. When you think it's going to end, and then suddenly just goes off into this other bit, which is equally as good. Yeah. It's a brilliant, brilliant tune. So you know, it's palace polish. It's what we've come to expect from them at this point now look at so this continues into the visuals in the game as well so the game itself uh, let's break this down we said a few uh, episodes back that iraq was very similar to this and i think iraq playing this now i see it even more is very similar to iraq it's a flick screen very very pretty explory thing where you've got to get parts to build yourself up to enter a inner sanctum of me- mechanics and stuff and then blow it all up. That's very similar to Iraq, really, isn't it? It's mm, almost yeah. the same plot. It's almost the same same thing. So, and it, it looks as... I mean, Iraq was really nice looking. This is really nice looking as well. Very, very good. This is, you know, way up there with the best that the, the system has to offer at this point. So everything looks great. The, the, the main character, Tal, is a little bit blurry, but he's big. He's big. He's big and really you know, big is. and well-grown. He is. Very um, and he's very, he's very well animated. The backgrounds are lovely and they vary as well from this really, you know, you don't sort of notice every now and again, you don't see, you don't have to say that's really nice stonework. Um, but it is, it's really cool stonework. The trees look great. There are like great expressions on the trees. You can see this is the people come from doing cauldron and things like that. Uh, the fire breathing dragon statues and the animation on that fire is really nice. Mm. My only downside is do, uh, you know, the single screen, the single color sprites for the enemies yeah, are a bit, them. they're nice. They're nice. There's, there's but a mismatch in this, isn't there? Of multicolor. Yeah. Some are, yeah. And some, so all over the place okay so so the game starts and you play as tal and you i think you, you start in a couple of different locations so it's randomized so you can start at one end of the level or the other this sort yeah, of I opening think, i think maybe you're right bo- yeah. bottom level because i started in different places when, when I, I played it a few times because you die a lot it's a palace game let's not beat around mm. the bush here you will die and you will try again and try again it's not quite as punishing well it's nowhere near as punishing let's face it as cauldron or cauldron 2 so they have learned some lessons from that it's still hard it's still tricky. And so this game starts off with you playing as Tal and you're running around just in your loincloth, as you've said many times before. Luckily, you know, we're not hearing a thwap, 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 thwap. Thank God. Um, of, 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 of Tal thong, of Tal, you know, Tal, tal length, Tal, tal compounder. <laughs> Cock and balls. Um, That's what he's trying to say. Cock and around. balls. I am, yeah. He's, he berries. <laughs> he's Nick Berries. <laughs> Stolen hearts. <laughs> Um, so you don't hear that, which is good. So you've got a couple of rocks. You've got rocks, essentially. So all you can do is to attack the enemies is, is a rock. You can throw this rock kind of in a style of a, an arcing throw. So you can't aim it so much. It's just sort of arc it, mm. arc it, which is a bit... Uh, oh God, I sound really northern then, don't I? You can arc it. Hey, you can arc it. You can. Hey, you can arc it. 
<laughs> so you can arc the uh basically you throw it in an arc and so that's all you can do at this point and so what you've got to do is you've got to find the suit once you've found the suit you go inside it and it brings all the um the ui which is at the bottom of the screen which is all turned off at this point um, it brings it all to life. The brrrm, it all comes alive, sort of thing, which is quite nice. The next thing is you've got to find. So the whole point of this game is you've got to find four parts to the suit, and those parts are. Let me just find this bit in my notes. Those parts are the hover boots, the beam gun, the implosion mine, and the radiation particle negator. Those are yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't go through life without them. Um, yeah, hover well, boots. I've had to buy beam, space in my gun. fridge because it needs all four of those things for some weird reason. <laughs> Last time I buy a Kenwood, let me tell you, <laughs> Kenwood beam gun. I know yeah, it's, it's never going to work. If I'd have read on the instructions that I need to have a particle negator, I'd a bit of what again. I fell for this last again. time with the dishwasher. I'm not. I'm not doing it again. But I did. <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, so the whole point is once you've turned on the suit, the first thing you want to find are the hover boots because this, al this allows the, the suit is useless at this point until you find the hover boots. And once you get the hover boots, the game changes considerably and becomes ever so much more easier and navigable, shall we say, and, and, and doable. Because mm. the opening section where you are Tal running around the, the forest parts and the slightly early stone-based sequences is really quite hard and tricky and annoying because of they've not learnt the lesson of respawning enemies and they've not learnt the lesson of where to spawn them because quite often you'll just run into a screen and they'll just spawn on you and you instantly lost some energy. And this happens mm. time and time and time again. And the reason this happens time and time again is that the flick screen border, I don't know how else to describe it, is really quite big. Mm. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's like yeah. you don't quite go to the edge of the screen. And yeah. so you'll be on a platform thinking, oh, I can just turn around and suddenly you're on the you've gone back to the previous screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I was miles away. From, and it just felt that the, the flick screen collision, whatever you want to call it, yeah, is too play big. area, yeah. Yeah, it's too big. It's too big on the edges. So you're just flicking from screen to screen quite often. And you sometimes you'll jump up Flick to a screen up top. You don't think you're going to come back down and enemies are respawning. You'll get hit by one, hit by another, and suddenly you're dead. Yep. And you're like, oh. And when you die as well, I thought it's quite nice. Because when you die, Tal doesn't die. He just has a rest. I thought that was yeah. quite nice. He just, has a bit of, he just has a bit of a snooze before, you know, and you can have five rests before it's full on bedtime. That's how I like <laughs> to picture this. Um, you don't die. You just have a full on bedtime. Um, and that's it. Game over at that point. In the suit, however, you can take many more hits. Once you get the boots, you then float around. You want to then find the first next thing you want to find is the beam laser, which allows you to shoot stuff. So you can shoot all the enemies dotted around, and then you need to progress further and further into well, it's basically the they're based in a volcano. The enemies, the aliens. So you've got to make your way up this volcano, but it's heavily radiation thing. So the the suit. That's why you need to find the, the particle negator to stave off the radiation and make your way to the center and detonate the implosion mine to blow everything up. So it's a flick screen. It's essentially, it's a flick screen adventure in which you try and find stuff. You don't have to find too much stuff. Navigate your way through screen and screen after screen of enemies, shooting them trying to survive and get to the end. And that's it. So it's a, it's, it's a very, very nice game. It's a very, very good looking game. But upon revisiting this, this is a game I did actually finish back in the day. It's one of the few I actually fought all my way through, Dang. got to the end, was really proud of the fact that, yeah, I finished Anterior. It's not that hard. No. But I think back then I had a, probably a bit more patience for stuff like this. So now, like I said, that flick screen thing gets annoying quickly because I just kept getting swarmed by enemies and the rock throwing is not... It's not um, what would I want to say? What's the word I'm looking for? It's not, you can't aim well enough. You can't aim it at all. You just toss in a rock, you know, and, and hoping that it, in the arc of that will hit them. And that, that's kind of a bit, you know, I'd rather be able to aim it somehow. And the jungle bits are just a bit dull. I found this time running through them. I just found them a bit repetitive and just enemies after enemies after lots of enemies and didn't find the, the controls are just not quite tight enough as Tal to be really able to navigate through them properly. And I had real problems because of that flick screen stuff. So I, I honestly thought 
where the way same thing with Iraq that the better part of Iraq is that second half when you get to full spider bot status and this same that same problem in that if if maybe this would have done what Iraq had done just go right tell you what there's two two versions start with the suit or not have the full game or the half game I'd probably play the half game because once you get the suit I really like this I love it it's flying around shooting stuff there are problems with it though and if you take too much damage deep into the cave you're done for because you can't get out because there's too much radiation and that's a bit of an annoyance but that aside i mean that's your fault for getting hit that aside being in the suit pushing around shooting stuff finding stuff making your way through bits and bobs that's really good i really enjoy all of that i just find the intro section the bit where you're in the jungle as tal unclothed i found it a little bit frustrating and a bit dull on this revisit which i wasn't expecting because i really do like this game there's a lot to like about this it looks great and and it feels great you know and it sounds great but i just found that intro section just a little bit too long and don't you know you can get to the suit quite quickly and everything but just it felt a bit unnecessary i don't know that's how i felt coming back to it which i didn't expect how about you what did you think i really like the sacred armor of Antiriad. i always have and it's possibly one of my favorite games on the commodore 64 I spent a lot of time with this game. Yeah. Um, so did I. Back in the yeah. day. Like you, I completed it. I was mesmerized by the graphics and I still found them spectacular looking. It's just an amazing design in this game. In mm-hmm. terms of its look, its graphics, the soundtrack, the tonality, the feel, everything is really, really pro palace polish. And I didn't find the controls problem particularly not even on the revisit i i it very quickly i mean i played this game a lot and i mean a, a lot so i went straight through this and completed it again even on this level because i played it that much i knew exactly where to jump where to do the sort of hold jumps and everything i just remembered it all and so i was able to go through the game quite quickly it didn't take me that many goes i didn't dwell too long in the jungly parts i like you i think that's probably because the second part of the game is better than the first part and so you're just eager to get there i do like the the sort of jungle whatever you call that the woods part i like the i like the graphic style in there it does feel like you the bottom of that is that you start off in cauldron and you end up in a different game it's in terms of the graphic look and it is there yeah. is kind of an odd mishmash of graphics in this there's some beautiful graphic touches to it. The fire of the, you know, with the firing sort of that comes out of the sort of uh, gargoyle things is just mind-blowingly good for this time. And other things as well. It's the kind of the guy that sat in the chair firing the laser and, you know, and it's just little touches to the game that really add it to its, I'd say it's, it's, it's atmosphere, but it's kind of, it's, it's a bit of a mystery to it as well. So I think if anything, it could be perceived as a bit of a lonely game because it's just you and, you know, in some time and some space. I think it learns from the lessons of Iraq and just keeps everything in the same place because Iraq moved its sort of robot parts around. I don't know if this does. I don't, it didn't when I played it, but I don't think it does. And so I really like it. I really liked it then. I love the comic book and everything else that came with it and all of those touches are really nice. Presentation was never going to be a problem for Palace Games. That's what they do really well. This doesn't let you down. And so I suppose what it comes to then really is kind of on the revisit, Were there was there anything on this revisit that perhaps wasn't as I remembered it, wasn't as good? And I can see where you're coming from with the sort of the second half and the controls. I found myself annoyed at the same exact same places in this game as I always find myself annoyed, which meant that trying to get through, navigate through small gaps with the gravity controlling sacred armor when you're in the armor, that can prove to be a real nightmare because it's very, very, very... The collision is very unforgiving. So if you touch something, you tend to bounce off from it. And then you could very quickly be bouncing and floating around. And before you know it, you're done for. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that. So you've got to really take your time to sort of navigate through and, and weigh up the risks of getting the extra little energy things that you can pick up, whether it's worth getting those if your energy has been hit too often. As you get further up, of course, you've got to navigate your way through the flames. There's one point when you've got to get out the suit, go and grab a part of the suit and get back in. And I can tell you that bit is a 
real stinger for getting you know at that particular point because it's it's really that's almost the almost towards the end of the game when it's really hard to get the timing of that right but the ending of this game is a little bit of a letdown compared to the build-up to it i have to say when you do get there and perhaps that's the one thing that I, still i felt a little bit let down by not having something a bit more spectacular at the end of something that had taken me that long to sort of navigate at the time so i think the same problem that i the only problem i think and um, this time upon replay i don't think there's enough repeatability in this game once you've done it I think once you've got the armor, once you've gone through all of maze and you know, and you've navigated your way through, you know the route, you know the route. And as uh, I can testify, I went straight to this. I knew exactly where to go and how to get there and what to pick up and where they all were, to, even to this, even committed to sort of long term memory. I played it a lot. And so if you were going to go back to it, would you? Would you go back and play it? Because when the game ends, you just start again. Would you go through it again? What would be the point? Because it's doesn't it's not any different. The enemies are the same places. They respawn in the same way. The layout is the same. The armor's in the same place. The parts of the armor are in the same place. The energy things are in the same. Everything's in the same place. So why would you go through this game again? And I think that's really the only real chink in its armor, as it were, is its Achilles heel is, is its repeatability. It doesn't have a lot of it. Because once you've done mm-hmm. it, would you go back yeah, to it and do it again? And what would you gain from doing it again? It's not like this is a game based on your score or something that you were trying better in the next iteration. You're just going to do the same thing over and over again. You might want to do it for the experience, but how often are you going to do that? And I think that's perhaps where something like Iraq has the edge because it does change things around a little bit. I don't know. I think you're right. Second half... Definitely, once you get into the suit, the game changes to be a bit more, you know, a bit more interesting. Maybe they could have expediated the journey to that. Save you running backwards and forwards, throwing rocks. The rocks were kind of so pointless, really, that it's almost pointless throwing them. Um, I wonder if it's that's just a little bit of a, you know, a MacGuffin, really, or something to waste your time, really, because you've really just got to get to the suit. That's the key thing. And- yeah, because half, cause half those, like, opening levels on the in the, the woods or wherever you are, are are absolutely pointless. Yeah, well, there's no point in running around the bottom. No, none. So yeah. it seems to me like, why am I, what am I bothering? And you so know why they're there? At some point, you're going to run to that room on the ground, on the ground where you get that robe that goes, wah, 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 and you're going to, you know, yeah. get, that does annoy you after a while. Every time you go in there, it does that noise. Mm-hmm. So there's so much to like about this game that um, it outweighs any of its minor problems that you might have. However, on a replay, it's of its time, I think. I think this game exists in a space and it's the best game looking game on the C64 at that time by a long way. And I think there's some nice touches to it I think that there's just what you left is wanting more game. I think if this could, could have been more time in the in the, in the armor, less time as Tal in in his loincloth, and I think you could have made a bit more of that. Allah, some of the games that come a bit later that where you're exploring this kind of techno world where you've got sort of aliens invading it, a bit like a cybernoid kind of environment where it's kind of more expansive. I think a more expansive place to explore and maybe even more things to do in the armor than just blow it up that might have proven to be and you know and might have proven to be a bit more enthralling so that was my take on it i it's such a good game to revisit though that music by richard yeah. joseph is a masterpiece of of tension and and feeling it really you really feel like it's cinematic when that music starts it's, it's really yeah. good for that i can't fault it it's a real classic on the 64 though it really is yeah absolutely i don't want to i don't want it to sound like i'm down on this because i'm not because i still did enjoy my time with it there's there's half you know there's there's 80 percent of a really excellent game here i just i just you know from a design point of view if i'm looking at this and coming at it now i'd be like well we'll just chop that half that opening out you go up a couple of screens there's the armor yeah i think more armor less because clock. i can only think sort of thing that the, the the reason there's probably lack of lack of ending is we, you know we, we speak to developers and stuff who were working on the c64 at the time trying to get everything into a single load mm. there's probably no space i mean this is this game is probably you know rammed with graphical data 
I mean, I can only imagine that that C64 is bursting at the seams getting all those visuals in there mm. with all the bespoke animations oh, and the sprites it. and everything. And I imagine that's why that's a single color sprite because they probably just didn't have any space to do like a multicolor overlay to give them a bit of depth or something. But it's this, you know, I completely understand all that and I'm not down on this. I just, I, I, I want this to be, I think that, that the fact that what I want is more more of that second half of the game because I really enjoy that floating around in the suit. Yeah, yeah. No, exploring really and stuff like that. And I, it's just a towel bit I just find a bit because... I just find the the spawning enemies in that section too punishing, and they're not fun. It's no, it's no, it's no, no fun. And and you don't want to hang around in that bit, do you? That's for sure. No, exactly. And so it but it begs it begs the question: Why is it there? Which is a bit well, of a, you know. I think that's I quite like the fact that you've got to find the armor. I think that's you know that's if you just started in the armor, I wonder really. I think that would have taken even less of the game out. I think it would have just. I think that. To just provide you with an additional bit of, I think maybe in, in truth, I think they just did it for longevity. I think they, they needed yeah. to make the game a bit longer, and that's the way, isn't it? Probably. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know. I, I, the, the the plot was, you know, the, your your quest is go find the armor, so you couldn't start him. I get that, but it was just there's a lot of those early screens which are utterly, utterly pointless. It's not so. like it was like really well hidden. It was just kind of a solid <laughs> suit of armor stood on stood on, a, on a shelf. So, yeah. but it's weird that how you get up there because you because you have to jump from off one screen into another, don't you, to get yeah, to it? Yeah, I like that though. I'll, I'll, it, once you know the ways, because it does take time to figure that out because you can't just run and leap around in this game and sort of do that because it's not that kind of game i love the animation on the main character i have to say i didn't mention much about that but the animation on Tal oh, yeah, is animation's great just his running animation and the fact that when he sort of crouches he sort of does a quick shifty look around i, I just i love that i've always loved that about yeah. it um yeah it's no. a clever little clever little game this yeah i'm not there's nothing i can say bad about the visuals the visuals are astonishingly yeah, the, good they're amazing brilliant. you know all, all around like the the five the the the, the turning on the the suit when you spin around mm. the, yep. the shots the explosions that the fire is just so good from those yeah, or just gargoyles or dragons, whatever you want to call them. This, you know, everything about just you know, this is a standout visual tour de force for the it machine is. at the moment. So, uh, but yeah, from my point of view, and I and I will state this sort of thing. I did didn't quite enjoy it as much just because of that opening sequence, and but I enjoyed the second half as much as I remembered. So there you go. That's my that's my take. And I know you, you know, I, and maybe, and I think great. you're right Still with do. the re- replayability. Yeah, and I think we're, we're we are mostly well, you know, I think no, I'll, you, I'll come no, down. You've got, you can't. You got to stick to what you said. You said you hated it. <laughs> I'm now, still very on, positive. Honest about it i'm still very positive about it it's still a great game but it's one of those games and i think i think you hit the nail on the head was i wanted more of the bit that is great yeah the bit that is more enjoyable yeah Yeah. that's that's the one takeaway from this i would say is i just wanted more game because it's so good i would love to have played it for longer and done more once i got the armor i'd like to have done more in the armor (laughs) just you know shoot stuff and find stuff and strange strange that there was never a sequel i wonder if if we look in the games that weren't whether it's which is a great book by the way and and website i wonder if there's something in there but i'm sure some of our um, listenership on twitter might very well be able to inform us if there was because i have a feeling there must be there must have been something planned for that there must i mean it's such a great Mm. sort of ip you just want to do something else with it yeah yeah absolutely why not anyway there you go sacred aromateriad it is very good yeah there we go right So that was it. So that's our games. We've got, just before we round up, we've got some crapverts. Some crapverts. Yes, we have, I hear you say. Oh my God, crapverts. We've got loads, in fact. I don't know if we're going to go through them all, but let's have a look. Our first one is another one from Virgin. Virgin. It's another oh boring advert. Oh dear. <laughs> what? Why do that? Why do what they've done there? You know. I know, I don't know. Just, I don't just know. Everything. <laughs> Just an, a grid type view is fine, but don't put writing on it at an angle. It's like it's like a 
It's like if someone did the Star Wars opening writing, but did it sort of face on instead of it disappearing at an angle. It doesn't. It makes your brain go wrong looking at it. And also so, as well, they've kind of on the left, they've sort of kerned it. You know, they've thing it to the line. Yeah, it kind of fits have, in the line, yeah. but on the right, it doesn't. Yeah, why didn't like, you oh, just we can't fit it in? It well, they could have if they'd have just just thought about it. I yes. love the uh, investing some real action on your Commodore sixty four. Real action. Yeah, I don't know. Erebus, isn't it? This advert is the game for. Um, it features a mountainscape at the back, which is clearly a photograph that, for some reason, they've just painted a bit sort of pinky red. <laughs> well, I think I wonder if that's where they found the same photo for Arcana. Yes, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, exactly that. But if you know, it, it's stinging, isn't it? It's uh, it's symmetrical, so they've just copied it because those clouds are the same. Yeah, this smooth scrolling Blastem game, Blastem game, shoot 'em up is the term I believe we use nowadays. Um, yeah, yeah. Features the very best in fast arcade action by Steve Lee. You remember Steve Lee? author of the Falcon Patrol series and Shogun with stunning graphics by Martin Wheeler famous for Spectrum Dandere and the original designer of Sorcery <laughs> so, and also I submit, hints of Shogun in there anyway yeah. again it's a classic crapvert because they do all the things wrong logo borderline unreadable in a in the weird almost in the Stanley Kubrick font that at the top there so it's the kind of font you expect to see in Clockwork Orange and some of the Stanley Kubrick movies <laughs> Massive price tag. It's like ginormous, bigger than the Virgin logo. That big eight ninety five. It's just, it's, just, it's a whopper, isn't it? That it's as big as a mountain. And then right at the bottom left-hand corner, it says, "Please do not post cash for the little tear-off slip where you can send off for the game." So, and I love that. Make checks and postal orders payable to Virgin Games. Don't send us cash. Can't do it with that. What can no, we do with cash? We can't. we can't spend it. So um, it is. It is a solid crap because it's yes, just boring. Very dull. What does it say about the very game? Dull. I don't even know what that game is. It just tells me who's it by and, and everything. But oh, there you go. Spherical Space Fighter. Ah, it's a manoeuvrable spherical space fighter. That's me tuned out of that immediately. Yeah, it's <laughs> a, It's going to be... I, I think Erebus, it sounds to me like it's going to be a, a Iridium knockoff. Yes, I suspect it is, yeah. yeah. But you've got to save Earth from the horrible fate of the noxious nerve gas. Being produced on planet <laughs> Erebus. All right, well... Sounds like a more fart-based punnery to me. <laughs> Yeah. All right, there you go. I've breathed in my Let's fair share of noxious nerve gas. <laughs> you have, and I'm very sorry for that. <laughs> Quickly, <laughs> let's move to our next one now. The next one is, this isn't terrible per se, but I, I picked this one out because for one thing. So, and, and I'll see if you can spot it sort of thing. So we've got this, this Transformers, more than meets the eye, the computer game. And you've got this great sort of airbrushed Transformers image. This is the Activision yeah, game. battle. Yeah. And it looks amazing, doesn't it? It's a great yeah. battle, yeah. So, well, yeah. Yeah, it looks yeah, like it a great is, battle. And then look at that transformer on the yellow background in the screenshot. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> is it? It's like it's like he's looking on at this battle, going, "Why don't I look like that? <laughs> why doesn't the game do look I, like that? Why, why do I look?" Like, and then there's a shot of an oil rig. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite understand. The mystery is for me surrounding the mysterious tiny page of a comic or whatever that is, and it's like a mini advert in the bottom yeah. left-hand corner, which is impossible it's like to an read. Advert within an advert. Yeah, again, you know, we've seen this before, but for some reason that's so small, and it's got a giant dinosaur on it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't no. get, why is it even there? I don't get it. I get the idea of Transformers. I get them, you know, more than each other. Transformers is such a brilliantly iconic 80s brand. And the logo yeah. just shouts, you know, it is. I, I love that. So at the top, it all starts off really well, and then it descends into, and then as soon as they introduce the game to it, it's like, ugh. If you just took those three screenshots away... Yeah, you don't need any of that, do you? You're fine, because the, the image of the Transformers battle going on is going to sell you this game. Yeah. There's nothing else you need. I mean, it's yep. a great airbrushed. There's laser fire, there's Transformers, there's Decepticons, there's Autobots. It's exactly everything you need to sell me a game yep. of Transformers. And then I look at that screenshot, and I'm instantly not sold. Yeah. It looks like the most boring game. <laughs> and I know it's by David Crane, but... That doesn't mean no. But then, and then underneath, trying to read this, like you said, this mini comic. Yeah. Don't understand. No, just 
Activision, shame on you. You should have done better for that. Should yeah. have done better. And also as well, the the text underneath is available for Commodore 64, 128 on cassette or disc. Transform. <laughs> Why does it that say makes that? makes no sense. Why does it that say that? makes no sense. <laughs> I love the fact that it says the computer game on it in an advert that's in a games magazine, one would. Because what else could it be for? <laughs> yeah, I- I don't know. No, the board game. Uh, why has it got screenshots <laughs> in it then? It's just stupid. Why put that even in there? Yeah. And what uh, is this yeah. obsession, by the way, with these adverts and grids? <laughs> I've noticed this about quite a few of these crapverts. One of the prevailing themes is that they seem to always want to put a grid on everything. It's like, just is there some Tron? Not, you know, this is Tron logic. Tron's been getting into the minds of these and just put a, <laughs> put a gaming grid in there. All games have gaming grids. I'm like, just stop putting grids on things. And not centre it properly. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to put a grid, make it mathematically accurate, please. And, and don't put writing over a grid. You know, you don't have to do that. Just no, stupid. So our next one is the next from Nexus. And the reason <laughs> I've included this is because you'll think that the screenshots down there, yeah? A, why are the screenshots at 45 degrees? Again, we've had seen that before, haven't we? Terrible. Um, which is terrible. But they're not screenshots for that game. No, they're not. They're for PSI Warrior 2. <laughs> this is a very But the actual advert. advert is for Assault Machine, which is in that stupid Nexus packaging. Right. So, because I thought Nexus was the game. For, yeah, was so it Nexus did I. by Nexus, was it before then? Yeah, ne- yeah, so this is, you know, when I said about I don't like Talk Talk and the the yeah. and all those kind of Mr. Mr. Now I don't like, now I've got another reason for not liking Nexus Nexus. Because that looks like a cartridge. It sounds like a bad guy from um, Sapphire and Steel. It does actually. Where have you seen the Nexus Nexus? Um, <laughs> it's just crap. This assault machine looks crappy. Don't You can't get away with putting screen grabs on the front of a box of a game um, like that and then putting it in the advert and then bizarrely putting different screenshots of a different game at the bottom. Just, yeah. This, this just, and it's like stop press screenshots from Warrior 2 now available now. What's, what the screenshots are available now? I can see that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, we've got them. Just, and I will no. ask you as well what's the background? I think that look to me looks like um, if you've been hit on the head with a mallet and you fall <laughs> over in your garage or you bang your head on something in your garage and that's the lights you see in the ceiling of your garage. <laughs> To me, that's what that And then just like. a floating Nexus assault machine. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of floating in front of you. Yeah. Someone's just got a, we need a background. Oh, I don't know. Whack. Ah, oh God, I can see his blobs. There you go. <laughs> That'll do. That'll so do assault it. machine is a deadly race against time. Have you got it? what it takes to subdue planet Targon? I thought for a minute, I said, I thought that was Tarragon. I was thinking, oh, these plants are based <laughs> on sort of spices and stuff. Or will you be the first victim? You I can glide, know. slide and hot dog on the hover plane. Mm, bet you can. Well, that's PSI Warrior 2. That's not an assault machine. <laughs> no, you wouldn't know, though, would you? you no. So our last one, and again, not a terrible advert, but I, I, I did, I've got the, I've put this as a question for you because I want you to cast your mind back and tell me when Bruce Lee fought Ming the Merciless. <laughs> well, this is a strange thing because... So this is Yeah Kung Fu 2, just so you, just so you know. So this is the advert for Yeah Kung Fu 2. There's a, there's a whole strange thing about this because a sequel comes out to Yeah Kung Fu that is not called Yeah Kung Fu 2, isn't there? So there's an actual... There? There's, yeah, there is. There's a, there's a game that is, is the Shaolin's sequel. Was it Shaolin's Road or something? Yeah, something like that. So there's actually a game that comes out that's a sequel to Yeah Kung Fu that's not this. It's all a bit well, weird. Well, Yeah Kung Fu 2 was never in the arcade, was it? I think it's just home computers only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I mean. So this is a... I so believe. It's, it's kind of a... There's a game with two sequels officially, really. So no, and in answer to your original question, there has never been an occasion where Bruce Lee fought Ming the Merciless, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Um, <laughs> well, he does here. And I noticed there's also the guy out of uh, Mad Max is in there doing a karate kick as well. Um, so no, I think oh, yeah. this is this is a series of eighties super action heroes that have um, and because it, it wasn't Bruce Lee in the original Yao Kung Fu either. Just you know, it's more based around the Jackie Chan's model and the Bruce Lee model. Really. Yeah, it was a oolong, wasn't it? And yeah, who's so, that guy just under Ming with his uh, with the eye patch? That's um, Patchy Joe. 
Um, <laughs> Want Ian so, uh, Montezuma's Revenge? Yeah, exactly, same guy, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't have very good memories of Yao Kung Fu 2. I remember the music being quite interesting, but um, I don't know. And I like that it says, sequel to the hugely successful Kung Fu Simulation. No one describes Yao Kung Fu as a Kung Fu Simulation. Sure, no. why would you just put Arcade? Why wouldn't you yeah, write the exactly. word Arcade? There's something weird about this whole thing. Eight more deadly opponents to combat as you develop your karate skills. But it's a kung fu game. Kung fu. It's called yeah. Yeah, kung fu. So you're not developing karate skills. That's a very different martial art, you stupid idiots. <laughs> um, and to become a black belt master in what? You know, and it's not going to help. If they called it Yeah Karate Fu, it wouldn't have the same ring, would it? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it would just be Yeah Karate. <laughs> so this this is not boding well for this game. And if I memory Sounds serves, confused, that's because it, it is uh, not very good. No, I don't remember much about Yao Kung Fu 2, I have to say. I remember the music, because I remember the music being quite good, because it's, I think it's Martin Galway again, but I think it's actually an original Martin Galway for that one. And it's quite a nice one, very emotional, very nothing like you'd expect it to be for a sequel to a Kung Fu game, although I could be mixing some of them up. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, well, I think it comes up quite soon. I think it's maybe it's a couple of issues down the line but um we'll we'll get to it but it's a strange advert it's just just a strange concept that this well yeah big arcade game just gets a console or computer well, only sequel as far as i'm aware yeah kung fu was set on earth and didn't involve any kind of emperor from another planet whether it's uh, ming or anywhere else. but there seems to be another planet in the background of that and some kind of other universe so and that is clearly bruce lee and that's taken straight from enter the dragon that pose so they've just drawn traced over into the dragon because he does that pose in it the dragon and i know that film yeah very, and that's very well. ming the merciless from flash gordon oh it is totally yeah it's ming the merciless yeah, yeah. so there you go some interesting crap but it's not all crap for various reasons but we like to pull out the weirdness um, of the strangeness and uh, and this these this kind of theme of like seeing film references just drawn um yeah. in, in adverts will will not go away and i'm sure yeah. we'll see lots more of those as more we peruse the advert yeah sure we will um so that's it that's it for this episode what do we got coming up we've got the rest of the games from uh, issue 20 so december 1986 what have we got coming up well next week we've got <gasps> fist 2 the legend continues mm. trapdoor mm. uh we've got loads actually street surfer yeah. there's things like Dan- dante's inferno which you've been saying about mm. good music uh, i'm not going to list them all but there's obviously there's the sentinel as well Ooh. ace of aces oh, madness i seem to remember madness being awful but i haven't looked at it yet Movie Monster, which could be interesting, and mm. Trailblazer, along with others as well. Wow, that is there's so many games packed into there. There's loads, so many games. Another thirteen. There's twenty six. This this issue. This, this issue. Goodness me. Yeah, give us some thought though. For in two issues time, when we have like fifty. Yes, we may be. Uh having to think about how many parts that comes in but uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely or we'll just be seven hour podcast just be like or yeah. whatever uh, the next game that we played <laughs> game number 46 and do you know what all these games are occurring in uh, is this December now This so are we in the December, December 86, so, yeah. so we're heading into the final of December so you know, we're rapidly aiming, heading towards 1987. Big year for the Commodore Absolutely. 64, that. And, uh, and don't forget once we've done next week we will be you will be uh, treated to our awards Oh, the, so the bread, bread bin awards for back. 1986. Yeah, so uh, expect in-depth because there's. Well, we'll oh, talk about this probably be, next week, but it's going to be, it's so gonna be nightmarish. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. Oh my god! Just thinking about it now is giving, making me feel all funny. I know I can think of all the bad ones, but there's so many good ones. I'm like, oh my. But god, I'm just, no. I'm just, I'm just going to say the music category. Oh, don't! I'm having already having. I can't. I can't think palpitations about, it. about that. Yeah, it could I be am. anything. But I it's am. all coming up over the next few weeks. There's loads going on, so yes. uh, stay tuned. There's loads. We've got loads stuff so but i think that's it for 
this episode, am I right? Yes, I think, yes, we've, I think, I think we've reached critical mass. We have. Oh, I just need to actually, let me just go over the games we did look at uh, in this episode quickly. We've looked at Boulder Dash Construction Kit, Montezuma's Revenge, Robobolt, Robobollocks, Marble Slowness, Marble Dullness, <laughs> a Glider Rider, Soldier Can Do One, <laughs> Bobby Bearing, uh, Uchi Matter, 180 Crap Games or Pub Games, BMX Simulator, Captain Kelly, and finally, The Sacred Armor of Antiriad. So 13 games there and more to come next week so on that note let's sign off I have been Adrian Mills and I have been Graham Raddings and you have been listening to Zap to the Past and we will see you again next week goodbye thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games as well as the music films and TV from around the 1980s driven of course by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time we will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptothe, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember... We play these games so you don't have to.